I'm Corey Novotny. I'm Brian Wells. And you're listening to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. All right, so we have a uh, true throwback episode of He's Done It this week. It's, it's interesting having the intro now. I like that we have something to introduce ourselves, but now I have to basically jump in and introduce a guest right away. And it is Benjamin Carlson, recurring guest, former He's Done It co-host, just the two of us. No Brian Wells this week. He's in Hawaii for a marathon, so glad I got you to sub in and see you'll be able to record this week. That's really impressive that... Brian's running a whole marathon. I I think right. I might die if I attempted <laughs> something like that. So I'm happy to be seated right now talking about sports, filling in for him while he's out there uh, just absolutely killing it uh, on the marathon. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed by it. I don't think that I could even I, – I can't even entertain the thought of it. Like a half marathon to me is something that I'm like, that's way too much. And then to double that, so – uh, definitely in, interested to see how um, him and our other friends do out there, but that is a it's an interesting reason to go to Hawaii. Um, I'm glad they're at least making a trip out of it. They get the marathon and they can feel good about themselves as they do all the other normal vacation stuff that 99.9% of the people do when they go to Hawaii, and that's not exercise at all. So, Hey, I mean, if that's what it takes to get to Hawaii, you might be able to talk me into it, but who am I kidding? I'm definitely not running a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, anyway, Benjamin Carlson, uh, if you are a veteran listener, if he's done it, then you also know him from his own podcast, Affable Chat. And uh, movie reviews are the majority of your episodes. And it is very fitting to have you on right now because the most recent episode you reviewed is Moneyball, which is a baseball sports movie. Uh, my personal favorite baseball movie we did our top five baseball movies a couple years ago on the podcast. I put it number one. I haven't made any changes to it. Uh, even Brian has kind of said after not having it in his top five that he did realize, yeah, okay, maybe it's a better movie than he realized. And that baseball analytics, it's, it's definitely changed the game. And it was really interesting getting yours and your co-host Joey's perspective on it. Um, I'll say that I was maybe teeny tiny offended to not get invited to be on this episode (laughs) to talk baseball especially because like neither of you are baseball fans you made it very apparent your disdain for the sport (laughs) so like being able to provide a little inside context but I I did enjoy the conversation I did like that you were able to um, see through it and even though you're not as big of a fan of a sport really enjoy the the movie and also it seemed like you kind of knew what you were talking about when I came to the economics of baseball which I really appreciated you weren't just going into it being like why is what do you mean they can't afford players because every other sport has a salary cap like you mentioned baseball does not and as an avid baseball fan it's my least favorite thing about the sport is the competitive imbalance that no other sports league in America has yeah, and I appreciate you, uh, you know, listening. And then, and uh, in retrospect, I definitely would have loved to have you uh, as a part of that conversation. I'm thankful that we're able to have at least a brief conversation about it here. Uh, but you're right; I don't know as much about baseball. But most of my metaphors I used on that uh, podcast episode, like trying to emphasize how Moneyball impacts all sports, not just baseball, uh, was you know football because that's the sport I know the best. But I will say that I think baseball does make a great case for itself through cinema. There's a lot of great baseball movies, and I think it's a 
great sport for storytelling. And Moneyball, it's interesting you say it's your favorite one because there are so many great baseball movies that tell a more traditional story about a group of misfits coming together generally to win the big game. And Moneyball goes in such a different direction. And I'm I'm really impressed by the bravery that that movie has to be so unconventional. Um, and I think that that might be why some people, it's not as appealing to them. But I think if you can understand the message of Moneyball, it's actually really beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's what separates it for me. I think with some people, I can understand it's... Like it's a baseball movie, but it's so much more than that. Whereas there's so many other movies which just yeah, it's just just a bunch of kids playing baseball or you know whatever type of group of people get together. And there's some fantastic movies about baseball, uh, like you mentioned. But Moneyball is very different in its own right in that it focuses more on the economics. It tells a true story about a team that lost in the first round of the playoffs. Like it's it's not your classic conventional baseball movie, but the way they go into it is great. And I think one thing that I just love is just the the actual movie part of it. The cinematography, the score. I think they just do a really good job of preventing it as just sorry, presenting it as this like visually and audioly whatever the term is for that that's it. appealing that's movie yeah. <laughs> so I think um I think that's one thing that really stands out to me. I like I like it a lot. Um, when that movie came out in 2011, um, I think that was a time that I was really starting to get into the whole statistical side uh, of baseball. I remember I did an Algebra 2 project. Probably it was it would have been within a year of that, uh, of the whole Bill James stuff, using ops on base plus slugging percentage to basically determine, is this stat really the best stat to use when it comes to baseball teams scoring runs. And it was something that it was a really cool project, just going through the correlation of it. There are so many different saber metrics now that like all of these stats, they continue to grow more and more acronyms that I'm like, I don't know what this means. I kind of get what they're saying. Um, and that that's one interesting thing about baseball and that, you know, Joey was talking about oh, how are they so far behind the times? And like, first of all, this movie is 2002. Like, you got to remember, this is 20 years ago. Baseball and all other sports are very jock culture when it comes down to it. Like, that is a big thing. It's like, you can see, oh, this person, they hit the ball really far. They pitch the ball really fast. Like, they run fast. It's like, people don't want to go deep into the numbers. But as soon as the Ivy Leaguers realize that they can make an impact on the sport of baseball, we've seen it drastically change the way the game is played today. And for better or worse, I'd say there's a lot of times where it feels like, managers are no longer managing games instead it's a spreadsheet is managing a game but <laughs> all of that does come back to moneyball and it's very interesting to see the influence it's had on other sports i mean the nfl now has so many different analytics like the pff pro football focus that's their whole thing is breaking down every individual play and analytically how you perform compared to everyone else on the field so it's um it's a really cool concept it you know Fun in some capacity, uh, not fun in a lot of ways. It really depends on how much you love math and statistics and stuff. But uh, I'm definitely a big fan of Moneyball. I have not watched it since finishing the episode just earlier today, but it definitely makes me want to go back and watch it again. So at the very least, that's a, a good thing that you did for the movie. So How, how can you not be romantic about baseball? I love right? that line. And, and honestly, Moneyball, 
for as much as I don't like baseball, has done has moved the needle for me a little bit towards liking baseball. So uh, you know, I, I'll credit it that. Just going back to your example though, that school project you did mm-hmm. that is the most Corey school project <laughs> i can uh, even imagine i'm not surprised that that's something that you've done in your past that's very much on brand for you and another thing i love about moneyball is that it as a fantasy football manager money i i kind of relate heavily to billy bean in Moneyball. Yeah, he has right. this kind of shadow uh, this this cloud, this dark doom cloud that hovers above him in everything he does, and somehow everything turns out wrong for him. And it's you know, and that's a very pessimistic outlook. But the whole point of the movie is eventually, you know, he he keeps pushing on that, and he's able to succeed uh, despite having all those things go against him. And that's how I feel, you know, having the most points against in my fantasy league uh you know it's it feels like everything is against me but i look at his example i try to find a way to change the game look at the analytics in a way that the other guys in my fantasy league aren't looking at them and find a way to still uh you know at least make the playoffs (laughs) right you're like yeah i know my team is six and seven but if you look at the analytics we sure expected to be nine and four so therefore i should be in the playoffs (laughs) and i should win some money over the person who actually did win yeah right. it well it's about changing the game right there's like yeah. wow this guy really still did that even though he didn't win the whole thing yeah fantasy fantasy football that's like the next step of analytics <laughs> <laughs> uh so anyway i definitely have a lot more that i could say about this movie and baseball sabermetrics and everything uh but let's get into it and talk about real football that's happening on the field and things that happened this past weekend and uh, when I found out like that this was a week that Brian would not be able to come on and you could potentially be a replacement, I was like, you know what? 49ers are playing the Eagles. That's NFC Championship game rematch. Feels like a really good time to have you on in that you're either going to come on feeling very upset, just like Brian and I are almost every week talking about our teams <laughs> because the Niners <laughs> lost a tough game, or you know, you'll be really happy and we could talk about this more. Um, I thought the Niners would win this game. I imagine as a Niners fan, you felt good about the team's chances, especially at full strength. But did you see a 42 to 19 win coming in Philadelphia? I, I, I'm going to be different levels of disingenuous on this podcast because okay. I'm pretty salty <laughs> about how things went in the NFC Championship. So I'm, yes. you know, I'm going to come on pretty strong. But if I'm being honest, no. I saw this being a tough game, I saw, but I did see us winning. I thought we were the better team through and through. And I was confident that this would be just another opportunity for Brock to prove himself uh, in front of uh, you know everybody. Because we knew that all eyes would be on us. It would be a hostile environment that was going to get chippy. But th- really, this was an opportunity for the 49ers to actually win a gritty, grinded-out type game. And I thought that's what it's go- it was going to be. And it was that for a while. And then it ended up being a blowout in the end. But let, let's take us, let's, let's just remember, uh, you know, before this game was even played, some of the things that were being said back and forth. A lot of trash talking going on between the 49ers and the, uh, and the Eagles. I've got a quote here from Hassan uh, Reddick, who, remember, was the one who actually hit Brock and injured his arm. Not a dirty play. D- d- no, it wasn't. He was yeah. just, just football. But yeah. this is what he had to say before this game. This was, a, it was like a week before the game. He said, Quote, it was a lot of boo-hoos last year, a lot of crying, a lot of what if, a lot of this, a lot of that. They get a chance to come back in here, line that shit up, and prove it again. There were so many people 
who said that it didn't matter that Brock Purdy got hurt. The Eagles were just the better team. And yeah, they probably would have been closer. Uh, I, I actually went and listened back to our preseason episode uh, where uh, I even, you even had Brian, who's, who's not on the episode today, say they probably still would have lost even if Purdy was healthy. These people Eagles were favored. Eagles were favored in the game, but to, to the the amount of disrespect the 49ers got for losing that game without a quarterback was completely ridiculous. And even though this doesn't undo that, the this game was true like transcendent levels of catharsis to see what our team I would say we're probably a better team at this point and the Eagles are probably a slightly worse team at this point, but still to be able to see an actual competition between these two and have an idea of how that would have come out. Okay, it doesn't change anything about last year, but you know what? Last year's over. The Eagles didn't win a Super Bowl either, and I would rather be the better team now, which I truth, I, I do think the 49ers are. Yes, and I, I completely agree with that. I think all season long I've had doubts about the Eagles and just feeling like they're not as good as last year, and they keep winning these games, and I'm like – Okay, they're they're pulling these out. They're a resilient bunch. They're able to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. But it feels like it's going to catch up to them at some point. And the 49ers, when they're at full strength, I believe that they are the best team in football. Like, they're a juggernaut. They would be my pick to go to the Super Bowl. I have my doubts about what would happen if you all of a sudden see Trent Williams, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, and others go down in horrible fashion in December, January, even February. But at full strength, I think the 49ers is the best team. That's why I thought they would win this game. And as, as much as I say I didn't necessarily expect them to win in a blowout, I felt more likely that the Niners would avenge last year's blowout loss of the blowout of their own than get blown out again especially with a fully healthy team and fully healthy quarterback Brock Purdy. I mean, the Niners are playing great football right now. So, uh, you know, hopefully they can maintain this health and, you know, sustain this success for your sake because the, you know, things are looking really good and it's hard to come away from this game and not feel like Niners are number one and then it's everybody else after them. Yeah, and I I agree with what you're saying. It was something we talked about in the preseason. Uh, I've had, uh, like, just listening to other analysts this week, I picked up on a phrase that I think is definitely accurate when talking about the 49ers, and that's that this is a top-heavy roster. It's not to say that the 49ers don't have depth. There, I think that this team is very complete, and there's you know even when you lose a Dre Greenlaw in the middle of the game because of a little scuffle with a, a, someone who's not even on the team. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> you have backups that can come in and play and, and deliver, but that's all riding on your all-pro caliber starters kind of leading the way, right? So you've got your George Kittle. You've got your Debo Samuel. You've got your Brandon Ayuk. You've got your Trent Williams. You've got your Christian McCaffrey, right? I don't even have to mention Brock Purdy because name a football team that gets better when their quarterback gets hurt. Name a football team that still is in contention when their starter is gone. I 2017 Eagles. I mean, they're, they're like the one team, and that, that's it's, it. It's rare, right? Yep. So, But those five, any one of those goes down, and I start to feel much worse about this team. Probably the, the most important one on that list is uh, Trent Williams or Christian McCaffrey. Those two would probably be the pinnacle of like the – if these guys are down, we're in big trouble. But 
if the so so it's really important that those uh, players stay healthy. And it's been interesting seeing Christian McCaffrey how much he's played this year. Elijah yeah. Mitchell has barely seen the field at all. It's just been McCaffrey, and he's played through minor injuries here and there, but he has been rock solid and stayed healthy the whole time. He looked great doing it. 17 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown in this one. Tearing up that uh, that Eagles defense. I mean, that D-line is crazy, but they were able to get it going. But if any of those guys get hurt, I'm, in, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm worried. So I think you're right. That's, that's something the 49ers have to watch out for. No, and the reality is every team is that same way. Like there are a certain number of players at the top of the roster that if they go down, they are no longer the team that you see at full strength. Whether they're a Super Bowl contender, a playoff contender, a middling team, you know, it doesn't matter where they are. You take away some players, they're not going to be as good. They're not going to play as well on, you know, offensive side of the ball, defense side of the ball, whatever. Uh, I think the thing with the 49ers, and maybe this is just like our longtime friendship and being close to the Niners, is it feels like they are constantly dealing with poor injury luck. And in the years when they say healthy, they go to the Super Bowl or they come close to it. The years when they don't, it's just a disaster. Because, you know, I mean, since the beginning of this podcast, 2018, Jimmy Garoppolo tears his ACL in week three. They go from oh, playoff team, like maybe they can make some noise to second worst team in the whole league. 2019, stay healthy. They go to the Super Bowl. 2020, injuries pile up again, six and 10. And then the past two years, they've been able to stay healthy. And then, of course, last year until the very final moment. And even then, it's like they kept losing quarterbacks and just it got to the point where they just didn't have enough left to overcome it anymore. Yeah, I mean, the last two years, it was really just the 49ers running out of steam with too many injuries because against the Rams, Jimmy Garoppolo was not fully healthy either. And his his throwing hand was was not what it could have been. So there's, uh, you know, our classic problem is staying healthy. And that's just football. Look around the league. It has been devastating. It's How been many, especially year. quarterbacks, but just oh, in I general. Know. Right. Every quarterback injuries. goes down. Yeah. And it, so I'll say the quarterback injuries that we've seen this year just makes it, you know, this goes into NFL officiating at this point it makes it even more frustrating all of the roughing the passer calls that are like how is that roughing the passer because these guys are getting hurt anyway it's clearly not doing anything other than giving offenses more of a chance and they already have so many more advantages and it's like you know yeah it sucks that quarterbacks are getting hurt you know you saw last night we had CJ Beathard versus Jake Browning at the end of a game and you know a really competitive Monday night football game but it's just another reason to be like, injuries are part of the game. You can only do so much. And unless you want to put flags on these guys, they're going to eventually get hurt when you get tackled and thrown to the ground. Right, and that's why earlier this season, I was like, of course the 49ers are going to keep Trey Lance because he's going to play meaningful football this year. And hopefully we just see Brock Purdy. I mean, I think, again, if he can stay healthy, then obviously that's – like paramount for the 49ers but having a, a serviceable backup can be that uh that catch-all I mean I don't know what Sam Darnold's gonna look like in in the 49ers uh, <laughs> yeah. as a 49ers starter but hopefully we don't have to find out now and I I still believe that if Sam Darnold were to come in if it, you just took out Brock Purdy but kept all the other weapons that he has he's good enough that the 49ers would only take somewhat of a setback but 
you know, it, it's also it, it it becomes harder to say that Purdy isn't just a really good quarterback. It's not even like Purdy is just good enough. Like he's a front runner for the MVP right now, which, yeah, I kind of go back to those three losses in a row when the Niners offense was not nearly as good as they are when all these guys are healthy. But in a league where MVP is just a quarterback award, you're talking about the quarterback on the best team. So I get it. And, you know, he's clearly like <laughs> has been able to play way up to what you would expect from a seventh round rookie second year quarterback and he's a legit quarterback right now it's no longer kind of a question about him being like the guy like he's he's the guy right now and you know Kyle Shanahan and the weapons certainly help but he also is able to hit open receivers and hit non-open receivers and we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance struggle and he has not struggled in that same way for a serious amount of time right I mean the numbers right now are looking so nice it is very easy to make an argument for Brock Purdy looking at his stats first in pass rating first in completion percentage first in touchdowns per attempt first in yards per attempt first in yards per completion which is almost kind of probably the same those things probably correlate he's having a year I we just said that a lot of the best quarterbacks are injured. Uh yep. you know, we we you know, it's it's a weird year I think for quarterbacks, but it's I think it is time to give uh you know, Brock Purdy his flowers and say he's at the very least a good quarterback like uh, on the on the good side of, you know, average and potentially really great. There's a lot of times where Brock makes a play where you're like, "Dang, I, I, like I'm I'm constantly asking myself, is he him?" And I feel like he makes at least a handful of plays every week. We're like, yeah, he is him. Did you see him scramble out of the pocket and break a tackle on his way to dragging an Eagles defender out of the pocket? Brock Purdy looks like my son, okay? He looks young. (laughs) He has that baby Uh, face. But he makes grown man plays. Yes, a lot of times there are wide open receivers. And all Brock has to do is make a good decision, kind of play point guard right but and that's th- half the battle when it comes to being a quarterback half the battle is not making a dumb decision that was something we right. could count on jimmy garoppolo doing at least once per game was to make a completely boneheaded choice where you'd throw the ball directly to a defender and we just had to hope that they would drop it or else you know the game's over but there are plenty of times where brock especially on these third down throws to juan jennings or brandon Ayuk, where it is these two guys, it's it's in man coverage, and he's just got to fit it into a window. He even said that post-surgery, his arm is stronger than it, oh, than it wow. was before. Like a bionic arm post-surgery now. That's what he says, and you see it out there. Brock Purdy is not, as a prospect, was not heralded for having arm strength, but he's been throwing lasers. I you know Until uh, like proven otherwise, I think Brock Purdy is him. And, you know, sometimes being him doesn't mean being the most athletic or even being able to win with a bad squad. I mean, are we supposed to take back everything we've said about Mahomes because his wide receivers can't catch? Uh, Let's not forget Andy Reid is an excellent head coach as well. And I don't hear anybody saying that his his play calling is the only reason Mahomes is good. Uh, So... I think that slowly people come around, and I think the whole MVP conversation is uh, helping people to see it that way, that that Brock really is dominating. Now, again, lots of football left to play. He's got to keep doing it. You can't just say, ah, he was 
really good at one point. Um, I also am not even willing to go to elite. Uh, yeah, I know that's a that's a flashy word in the QB conversation, but you can't be. I think you have to have longevity before you can say elite. You got to yeah, be good over that. a few years. So yeah. he's, not, he's not even eligible for that yet. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that take. I do think that there are times where people can be quick to put quarterbacks into elite status and then just leave them there because of like one good season or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do think that like it, it's foolish to not consider Brock Purdy one of the top quarterbacks in the league, just a matter of how high up he is. And ultimately, all that matters is when he's been on the field this year, the 49ers have been winning games and he's looked good doing so. So that's really all it comes down to from your fan perspective. It doesn't matter what some ranking list decides to put him on Monday or Tuesday morning. If the only ranking is the NFL standings. And, you know, right now the Niners are second in the NFC with the tiebreaker over the team that's right above them. So definitely in really good position to, you know, ultimately get the real goal of what Purdy and everyone is aiming for. And that's the Lombardi trophy. That's right. And this Sunday, 49ers fans are going to be split, trying to hate the Dallas Cowboys, but also rooting for them to beat the Eagles, because <laughs> uh, that could be the key for the 49ers to uh, you know, take the, the lead in the conference, which would be, it was just the goal, right? Uh, yeah. if the 49ers can get a bye week and host the playoffs and stay healthy. I mean, punch a ticket to the Super Bowl. That's, uh, I guess that's how we're feeling right now. And the other thing too, and just Brock Purdy, I don't even think has to be, you know, an elite or great quarterback or any of that have the, because, because I think what makes him him, when I say he might be him, what I'm talking about is the intangible. It's the same thing that made Tom Brady the best. It's being clutch, having that gene that is completely impossible to just know that someone has that is going to have him make the right decision when it matters the most. And generally, this season, we haven't had to see him do that because you you kind of associate that gene with the end of the game, mm-hmm. game on the line situations, right? And we haven't been in those situations very much. It's either been the 49ers are, you know, completely destroying their opponents, uh, or we've lost. And you can look at the Browns game where the field goal was missed. You can look at the Vikings game where he was literally concussed when he threw his interceptions there's been you know, i i, I kind of look at those not as uh indicative of what he potentially is uh, but you know we'll, we'll i think that the game on christmas against the ravens is going to be the next opportunity for him to prove himself in a situation where it might come down to the right decision on the last drive of the game yeah and especially doing it in prime time the whole country is watching you know post christmas celebrations you're just gonna tune tune in abc and see what many are thinking is a potential super bowl matchup there's certainly an opportunity for purdy to assert himself um and you know the ravens are also a good team so definitely could come down to the wire like you just said so now and yeah i i do think that the clutch factor is a very important piece of the conversation when it comes to quarterbacks and that being like the big difference between guys just being flashy with a lot of stats and actually winning games Absolutely. And, you know, we got to talk about, speaking of flashy plays, we got to talk about Debo Samuel. I've, I'm so proud to be a Gamecock slash 49ers fan. I feel like I'm living in, uh, you know, the, the brightest timeline here, having this guy who was so unfortunately injured in his college career. 
so many, so much promise and so much time. Yeah, spent I remember in 2017, he was like a Heisman Trophy candidate through three weeks of the season. And then he broke his foot, I think, and he was just done for the year. He's a freak, and he's been a freak. So yep. that it was, it was fantastic that we're finally being able to get him again. Injured a lot in the pros as well, even earlier this season, even right after he was drafted and everyone was saying all the other wide receivers that we could have had instead of Debo Samuel. Thankfully he's still on the roster and thankfully he's not afraid to talk trash to these bird fans and then back it up a hundred percent Four receptions for 116 yards, two touchdowns, three carries for 22 yards and another touchdown. Just a dog really. Yeah. Oh, he's awesome. I love Debo. So, he makes me so proud, and this game, again, it was like so much trash talk. He said James Bradbury was trash, and he also said back after the NFC Championship, he says that if Brock Purdy was healthy, it wouldn't have been close. And he comes in here and plays like this. Just get him the ball in space. Just have a quarterback that can actually complete the ball to Debo Samuel and let him do the rest. Incredible. Incredible. I mean, and he's not the only one. Brandon Ayuk had that diving catch. Brock probably made it mm-hmm. a little harder than it should have been, but he was <laughs> he was in fantastic five receptions, 46 yards and a touchdown. Even Juwan Jennings out there playing grown man ball with these children in the in the Eagles secondary, tossing somebody out of bounds before getting into the end zone himself. Javon Kinlaw, another Gamecock, two sacks. Yep, yep, he showed up big in this one. And they contained Jalen Hurts. Who it's not you know when you when you're pass rushing against a pocket quarterback the 49ers D line is vicious you know it's just a matter of time before they get to him against Jalen Hurts it's it's not like that you have to pass rush different you got to contain and even though there were some incredible plays by Jalen Hurts in this game where he's able to scramble all over the place and then find somebody you know ten seconds after the ball is snapped just. Seven carries for 20 yards. He did have a push-push touchdown. Nobody's stopping that. But to contain him to 20 yards on seven rushes, you got to be impressed with that, especially because they ended up holding the entire Eagles offense to 46 yards on the ground, and they're good at running the ball. Yeah, I mean, they're one of the teams you think of right away as like best running teams in the league. And um, yeah, maybe their run game has been disappointing of late, but 46 yards for this team, like that's that definitely a lot of that is on the defense they're playing. So definitely impressive. Uh, one of maybe the more most impressive piece of this victory is not even just the offense lighting it up against a, you know, banged up disappointing Eagles secondary, but being able to shut down what can be a powerful Eagles offense. Absolutely. And, and like, uh, you know, it wasn't all good. A lot of missed tackles. I think the Niners had like 12 missed tackles or something. Every team says this, but the 49ers are also a team that prides themselves on making tackles. <laughs> so uh-huh. that's something that's got to get fixed that the first quarter was horrendous on how the 49ers just could not get off the field. And I I really do think that it's like we spot, like the Niners spotted the Eagles an entire quarter. They were like, you can have the ball for this whole quarter. Go ahead and get a lead, do your thing, and then we'll start playing. Because the 49ers just went backwards on two drives. And then to be able to do what they did in three quarters is just I mean, it, it's one of those things where at a certain point I'm repeating myself here. It was just as good as <laughs> uh-huh. it possibly could have been. Right. Yeah, I know. It's it's hard to get better than that 
just everything about that game between all the hype going into it, you know, of course with last year and then to come out and win convincingly like that, just really asserting your dominance. And then it's hard not to feel good about things moving forward. You know, even if you have to go back in the Lincoln financial field, there's proof that the 49ers are not afraid to go in there and come out on top. So with the way that the Cowboys are playing right now, I feel like this, at least for next week, the 49ers are going to have the first seed. Yeah, Obviously, I, I like Dallas's chances. Playing. Yeah, the, the problem is after the Cowboys, the Eagles' last four games are Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. So it's this is the best chance of them losing, and it'll be much more difficult to expect them to suffer a loss in any of their last four games. So the Niners basically need them to lose this week while also running the table to be able to you know both be fourteen and three. Right, which is asking a lot, especially because the 49ers do have the Ravens. And um, not quite as easy of a schedule. Um, I will say, uh, I think we need, before we move on, we have to talk about Dre Greenlaw and uh, the chief of security. Big Dom. Did you know who he was before this game? I didn't know, and I think that some people seem to know who he was. A lot of people seem to know. It, It was. Have you seen Parks and Rec? I, I've seen. I have not seen it in its entirety. I've well, only do you seen... know who Little Sebastian is? Yeah, uh-huh. and you know how everybody loves Little Sebastian, except for uh, what's her name, the main character. Uh, yeah, like she just she doesn't yeah. get why everybody is like so in love with Little Sebastian. <laughs> uh, That's how I felt. I was like, who is this random guy? And it's like, oh, he's beloved in Philly, and like on social media, people are like, oh, Big Dom, like you don't mess with Big Dom, like you did it now, you know. And it's like. What? Who is this guy? And and more importantly, why don't the 49ers have big must like like uh, bald guys on the sidelines messing with the other team's players? That's uh, I feel like right. a competitive yeah, edge that we're not taking advantage of. Yeah, I mean, I would say the the Steelers won a playoff game because of uh, someone on the sideline messing with an opponent's <laughs> player, with Joey Porter against uh, Pac-Man Jones back in 2016. <laughs> so, I hey, look, it's something. It's it's a proven formula, um, you know, in that regard. But yeah, I, I don't know. It is it is very interesting how it feels like there's been such a big Italian American influence on the league, particularly in the NFC East between <laughs> Tommy DeVito and his family, and now Big Dom. I think people just love. Italian Americans, they love Sopranos. You know, the Super Bowl oh, yes. was in Las Vegas this year. Yeah, it feels fitting to, you know, be in a, a city that's notorious for, you know, gambling and inner workings of the city and crime bosses and stuff. So I don't know. I think that's that's just a big part of it. And, you know, in Philly, like you're close to Jersey. A lot of their fans are from South Jersey. So I think it just all, all works out. They're going to love this guy. So I, I get it. I don't know how. I guess I don't keep up with the Eagles enough in terms of knowing who their like coaching staff is or security right, right. guard, whatever. Who their friends but, are on the side. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but Apparently no, it was he just was another there, fun story. He was still he was there in the Andy Reid era, so he's like an Eagles guy. Oh wow, not like a okay. Sirianni guy. Right, and you know, I again as frustrating as that whole situation is, I think. Dre Greenlaw needs to not suplex our opponents and give them free yards. Like that's, uh, I think, uh, not to say that he was the only one in the wrong or something like that, but I think the 49ers need to control themselves and not do stuff like that because then it leads to a scuffle like this. Dre Greenlaw is important to this team. He can't be missing half of the game because he's, he, you know, I know he's like an right. enforcer and it's good to be a tough guy on the field, but 
uh, yeah, I think you got to be on the field to do that. Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, there's a bunch of drama about that. People are saying like the league is going to have like some sort of rule change or something because of this. (laughs) Uh But at the end of the day, you know, you got to keep your head on straight, keep your football helmet on straight, uh, you know, just whistle blows, go play the next down. That's how I feel. about. Yeah. I mean, we did see Trent Williams, um, throw an Eagles player to the ground last year at the end of the playoff game but that game was out of hand at that point it was just frustration ready to go to the locker room so having this happen and right in the <laughs> second quarter is a very different scenario for that but yeah that was it's an interesting game a lot that went on uh, definitely worth talking about a ton because it was the best game of the weekend it was the biggest game I mean, not necessarily the best in the sense that it wasn't close, but it was right, the biggest right. game. and Big implications. Are, yes. Right. And definitely, uh, you know, a lot of maybe, oh, this could be this, like, NFC Championship or, you know, one of these teams mm-hmm. could be in the Super Bowl. So uh, yeah. just my, my closing points on this, uh, Brock Purdy is him. Uh, the, the NFC Championship would have a different result if he had been healthy then. And 49ers... As long as they're healthy, they're going all the way. All right. So those are my final points on the 49ers. Uh, let's move on and talk okay. about the Steelers. I mean, this yeah. is this is he's done it, a mostly Steelers and Patriots podcast. So I, I do want to talk about those two teams next. Let's start okay. with the Steelers. Say, we, we don't have to spend a lot of time <laughs> on the Patriots, but yeah, I mean, talking about the Steelers. They're making so history right now, the Patriots. They are. are so it is. They are worth talking about. <laughs> and uh, the Steelers do play them on Thursday this week. And, Best um, Thursday night of the year. This, Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> a lot of people are saying this is like the Panthers and the Bears played on Thursday night football. This might be worse. I, I, <laughs> I don't like this has been one of the biggest emotional roller coaster seasons I've had in a very long time. And the thing is. The peaks have only been so high. The valleys have been so low, just like feeling like you're stuck upside down as the roller coaster just <laughs> dies. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the thing is, you always, the next week, I'm always getting off of it. And that's the, the worst part about everything that's unfolding right now is on a week to week basis, this team is either like the worst in football. Or, oh, pulled out a nice win. Like, yeah, look at this team. Like, maybe we can make some noise in the playoffs. <laughs> and then it, you just end up in this, like, mediocre state when it's all said and done. And I think that's just – there's just a lot of frustration around the Steelers fan base right now. And one game doesn't define a season, doesn't define anything. But, you know, if the Niners beating the Eagles was the best regular season win that you've experienced, the Steelers losing to the Cardinals might be the worst. Like, there have been more devastating ones. There have been more heartbreaking losses. This was just embarrassment and just what just happened. Not, I don't think that there are many Steelers fans that are surprised to see them lose to a bottom-tier team in the league because that's something that happened all the time. It was just finding ways to play down a competition like one game a year everyone calls it the Tomlin game but to lose at home to a two and ten football team as big favorites right as the vibes were getting really high fire Matt Canada 400 yards like oh here we go maybe this offense will get cooking like we're gonna turn things around we're a serious football team and have it all happen within the context of two second half lightning delays as all of this is going down to just prolong the game well into the <laughs> afternoon. It just it was just a one of the the most frustrating, disappointing, deflating days as a Steelers fan. And you know, every 
semblance of hope and progress and potential that came out of that Bengals victory is just completely blown up. And on top of it, Kenny Pickett is hurt. And I mean, it sounds like he's going to be back at some point, but it's just another, okay, he's hurt again. He's not going to play. And now, like, what what is what do we make of the rest of the season? Got to hope Mitch Trubisky is good enough. It, you know, got to... Like, Former it, it, MVP. That, so. Right. And, you know, it is getting to the point where, you know, as, as much as I want to see the Steelers make the playoffs and, you know, win games and, like, have some meaningful football to care about, in the grand scheme of things, just losing a lot of these games might be better to be able to just clean things up because right now, I mean, it's just year after year, the Steelers are just a 500, barely above 500 team winning record. Haven't won a playoff game since 2016 season. And it's just been very, very frustrating. And I don't, I don't know what to make of this team. And look, Thursday night, maybe they'll turn things around. They'll pull out a big one over the Patriots and I'll start feeling good about them again because that's what happens every single time they lose. The sky is falling and then they turn it around and win right away. But just, you know, right now, I, I don't feel great about this team. and I don't feel great about, um, you know, the, the leadership involved uh, going all the way up to Mike Tomlin because Matt Canada has gone and the problems still exist. I mean, there's still very much alive right in yeah the no they are like, like they're absolutely still alive for the playoffs like they've this seemed very easily could get in beat the patriots you know win yeah, well i mean that's two why out you... of three against the colts bengals and the uh seahawks and they're i mean that's 10 wins right there probably good enough for the, at least the seven seed but it's it, it, the grand scheme of things is the implication and i know like yeah all you do is get into the tournament but I mean, this team, no one wants to see them in the playoffs right now. If they're going to look like this every single week, can't <laughs> score on offense, and then also have a bad defense now because of all these injuries, it's just, it's not not pretty. It's not fun football, even as, you know? So, yes, the path to make the playoffs is still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I, 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 I think that the Steelers are going to beat the Patriots on Thursday night. I think they're going to turn things around to an extent doesn't necessarily mean it's going to look good you know maybe they'll they'll just win 10 to 6 or whatever these other horrible Patriots losses scores are I think that you guys are going to beat them three to nothing that's yeah, going to be the that, result that would be something <laughs> so my, my dad and my brother are actually going to this game um, oh, and I, nice. I hope that they can enjoy themselves because I think that I can't think of something that would be a more miserable experience than going to Pittsburgh to see the Steelers lose badly to the arizona cardinals in a lightning storm like multi- like i would have rather just be struck by lightning than sit through the end of that game like i'm sure that's what most of the fans who suck it out were thinking so and there weren't many who suck it out because why would you at that point with horrible weather and the product on the field even worse no i mean so. this was a uniquely tough loss i mean james connor revenge game right two i know touchdowns over two touchdowns. 100 yards i mean yeah right no, and he's still beloved in Pittsburgh. I mean, I think a lot of fans root for him. I think most fans who understand the Steelers' running problems weren't necessarily just the running back and James Conner scoring, you know, goal line touchdowns in that Pro Bowl 2021 season wasn't like, oh, they made a mistake letting him go. But it is tough. He goes in the building, you know, he wants to get up for this game, and you let him run for 100 yards and two touchdowns. So you don't like anyone doing that to you, even if he is a kind of a, a local legend. Yeah, I mean, he's looked great all year, too, uh, when he's healthy. Yeah, right. So, uh-huh. uh, and then <laughs> what was going on with Deontay Johnson and that extended end zone dance, like, down yeah. bit, like two scores in the fourth quarter? He He's someone who I understand 
people being very frustrated at him. I mean, Steelers fans in particular, just with this guy where he's getting paid all this money. He has this talent, but he's also he's he gives off like these Antonio Brown vibes, both him and George Pickens, and neither of them have established themselves as anything close to the wide receiver that Antonio Brown was, that you're okay with it to whatever extent. Um, yeah, I mean, that that touchdown, I'll say it would have been funny if that was his first touchdown in two years. He did score one against Tennessee, so he got that streak going over after not scoring last year. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, this team has a bunch of guys that there's talent. I came into the season being like, look at all these players on the roster, and they're all frustrating for a lot of reasons, whether it's the play calling, the scheme, like whoever is involved, or they're just simply not as good of a talent as I want to believe. Um, yeah, no, this it's very frustrating with all of these guys right now. And it's just, it just feels like this team needs a reset because just running this back right now with this group is just, it hasn't been working. <laughs> this is supposed to be the year where everyone's going to take a step forward. And now, I mean, Kenny Pickett is hurt, but I, it's hard to believe that he's the guy and I hope he comes back. So that way it's easier to potentially either commit to him or move on from him by letting him finish out the season. If Kirk Cousins rehabilitate, rehabilitates his Achilles, you do you want him starting for the Steelers? Yeah, I would absolutely take Kirk Cousins. I mean, financially, I don't know what a contract for Cousins would look like, but I know that he would be much better than what we've been getting out of Kenny Pickett right now. He's Either he's just afraid to make a mistake or he's just like, I, I don't know what it is. Always rolling out to his left. He bails from an empty pocket all the time. It makes his offensive line look worse because it often leads to sacks. And But it's just a really, really frustrating watching him this year because like you see some of those moments. So you go back to the Raiders and the Ravens game back to back weeks last year in prime time. This year, the Ravens game, like you see these these finishes where he comes through in the clutch and you get these flashes. And then it's just frustrating knowing week after week that the offense is limited. The guy's thrown six touchdown passes this year. The Ben Roethlisberger threw six touchdown passes in a game in back-to-back weeks. <laughs> it's just, and I don't think it's fair to compare a young quarterback to a future Hall of Famer like a lot of fans want to do. Like I, You can't expect him to be that guy, but he's not playing like an NFL quarterback right now. He's just someone who's just out there, and you know the, the formula for wins and losses, it, sometimes it works out in your favor. A lot of times it doesn't. When it doesn't, you get a disaster scenario like this. Are you still evaluating or still waiting to evaluate him post Canada? Can you really even know no, what's I agree. going I, on? Because Matt Canada, uh, I think, has been one of the glaring issues in any front absolutely. office for, for the longest time. And you're finally free. Does that like reset right. your evaluation of Kenny Pickett to an extent? Yes, it does. And I do think that you needed to see Kenny Pickett without Matt Canada, even if a lot of the offense was similar, just it's just his assistants that are taking over. Right. That's the thing. Um, is like, can you really say he's even that different now until next right. year when you have a whole new system and an off season to install? Yeah, I mean, assuming that Tomlin doesn't just promote Eddie Faulkner like he does with every other offensive coordinator, um, which, I mean, that, that's a whole different story. But no, I, I do think that Kenny Pickett, it's at the very least, I think that the Steelers need to bring in more competition next year because Mitch Trubisky has just been so frustrating to watch. I think that in the beginning he was afraid of getting benched for Kenny Pickett. And then 
when he that was no longer an issue, like when he'd come in for relief of him, he's just like, yeah, like every so he takes chances. He'll try to throw the ball downfield. He's going to throw interceptions. He'll maybe throw a touchdown. But a lot of these games, he throws all these picks and then the touchdown is in garbage time like this one where it doesn't even matter at that point that the Seals lost 24 to 10 instead of 24 to 3. So. Uh, I mean, I'm almost looking at these next few games as an opportunity to evaluate Mr. Trubisky while Kenny Pickett is out. And then, I mean, if he can look like the quarterback who at least was competent at times in Chicago, you know, the 12-4 the and four season where he, he ended up making it to a Pro Bowl, then I can at least be like, okay, yeah, we'll see what, what we have here. And that would be a further indictment on Kenny Pickett, but... I, I don't know what the Steelers should do at the quarterback position. I don't know that they're going to move on from Pickett entirely after just two years. I don't know that he has trade value. I don't think he's just going to be straight up cut. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't think he's Zach Wilson, but where where does he fall? Right. You know, it's I like, mean, you, you look at the Patriots with Mac Jones. Year one looked very good. There was promise going to year two. Year two looked very bad. Year three has just been an absolute disaster. Is that the direction that the Steelers are heading in? Because that, that's more where it's leaning than to think that year three is going to be the breakout just because Tomlin hires a different offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it's- Well, it's like you said. I feel like the weapons are there. There's lots of people to catch the ball. So yeah, there should be. What's going wrong? Why can't? <laughs> right. Why isn't it happening? I know. There, there's so much going wrong, it feels like. Or it's, it, it's just like back and forth between trying to zone, hone in on just one little thing versus this, just everything as a whole, how far up does it really go? Uh, you know, I, I feel I'm glad that the Steelers moved on from Canada midseason first time since 1941. If for no other reason than to say that they're no longer stuck in their old ways. And we've seen a lot of that when it comes to free agency and trades and contract extensions. And it just leads me to believe that, okay, Maybe the new GM, Omar Khan, and whoever is involved is able to convince Rooney, you know, the Rooney family. Uh, at this point, it's it's Art Rooney, the second or third, whatever, who's in charge to make a, a larger wholesale change and really reevaluate what's going on here. I would love to trade Mike Tomlin for a first round pick. If that's an option, the Steelers should do that. Um, and it, it sucks to say wow. that, but like... Yeah, I mean, if that's what it comes down to, like that's kind of where I'm at right now. If there is seriously a team like the Commanders or the Raiders or the Panthers with, you know, take him. Your shitty team can take on Mike Tomlin and maybe he'll get you to 500 in a playoff spot and you'll feel good about it. The Steelers have just been stuck in this middling place where they're just a 500 team with no playoff success and they're just so far removed from Super Bowls. It's like Andy Reid at the end of Philadelphia. It's not that Andy Reid was a bad coach. He just got stale. They need to do something different. Reed has won two Super Bowls in Kansas City since leaving. The Eagles have won one and been to another since he left. So, you know, maybe the Steelers, it'll take a big step back and it won't be, you know, right away the first guy they hire is going to keep up this streak of, you know, three head coaches in 55 years or whatever it is now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Steelers need to just recognize that, hey, what worked in 1978 doesn't work in 2023 and we're starting to see you guys have had the same head coach since 1978 yeah i mean (laughs) it's yeah not a whole lot has changed and you don't want to be like a lot of those other organizations that are complete disasters where there's constant turnover it's something to be proud about but at the same time it was easy to be prideful in 2013 when you were a couple years removed from a super bowl having a disappointing back-to-back eight and eight season 
then in 2023, when you're now 13 years removed from your last Super Bowl prefer- Super Bowl appearance and don't really have a whole lot of success since then. Yeah, and it feels like you're never going to be able to really commit to that rebuild if you keep competing, but it's yeah. hard to reach the pinnacles of competing without having the resources that a rebuild will get you. So, yeah, I definitely get right. that. And I don't know that it's necessarily blow up the team or anything. I would like to think the Steelers can still win with TJ Watt and you know Minka Fitzpatrick and some of these other guys, but it's you're running out of time while they're still playing at an elite level. So, and that, that's really the concern. Cam Hayward, it's getting to the point where you almost need to let him go to win a championship somewhere else. Um, you know, you just feel like you wasted his years and there's a lot of other guys that are, you know, getting into that territory as well. And it's just very frustrating how, how often we've seen this team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, look like this with no changes. If you guys got rid of uh, Tomlin, who do you want coaching the Steelers? If you could pick somebody like anyone from like Shanahan, McVay, McDaniel's coaching tree, anyone associated with any of them. I, like I want it to be an offensive coach, you know, like, I don't know. Is there some like, who's the 49ers like quarterback coach? Like, let's bring him in. Like some, oh, somewhere um, like that. I don't know. Oh, actually Greasy, they're OC. Brian Clint Greasy. Kubiak. Yeah. Clint Q- Kubiak is a name he's being thrown out there. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there there are options. That's to me is what I would want to see this team do, and I would love to see Kenny Pickett play in an offense with like an actual modern NFL look to it, not predictable, not whatever words you want to use and have been used to describe the Steelers under Matt Canada. Uh, and I, I think it's fair to at least give him that opportunity, especially if it's year three. But at that point, it's like okay, that's when you really know if the guy is the guy or just a guy. If even a guy, <laughs> you know, so there's plenty of just uh, guys out there, you know, so. right? Yeah. Well, we so. kind of we were kind of circling around them, but I think we should take a look over at the New England Patriots. You know, the Steelers' next opponent. Uh, yeah. We kind of, you know, maybe hinted at it, but the big headline going around this week about the Patriots is uh, the Patriots are the first team in the Super Bowl era to lose three straight games, all while allowing ten or fewer points. In each of those games this week, it only took six. It would have taken yeah. one if you could somehow <laughs> score one point. That was all you needed. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that was uh, a... I did not watch much of that game. Um, I'd say mercifully, except, you know, the game that I watched more of was only marginally better than that <laughs> because the Steelers kicked the field goal early in that one. But, yeah, I mean, the Patriots... It, I, it blows my mind how bad this team has been this year. And I, I went into the season just thinking that Belichick, you know, bringing a new OC, like they would try to, they would figure something out. And they've managed to pull off one of the greatest tank jobs of all time, which is even worse than this team being a playoff team because they're probably <laughs> going to end up with Drake Mayer, Caleb Williams. And there you go, Dynasty back on. That's just kind of where my mindset is when it comes to the Patriots right now. I think that. As much as uh, you know, some people hate the Patriots, I think that's a really exciting potential outcome because it's the only chance Belichick's got at bringing back this idea that he's this incredible coach because right now he looks lost without his golden boy who made his career. There's all this kind of mysticism surrounding the, like, the Patriot way and Bill Belichick, and now it just sounds like he's a crotchety old man who's stuck in his ways. And the only reason why we even know who he is is because he had the greatest football player of all time play for him for two decades. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think that it was all Tom Brady, especially in those early years. But by the end, I mean, he definitely was a huge factor on that team. But I also think that there were just so many guys who have been around forever that are also all gone because the team still managed to win games the past three years. But now that, you know, like Devin McCourty is gone, uh, I, Matthew Slater, I think he still might be there. I don't even know like what, what his latest deal is. Dante Hightower is gone at this point. Um, James White, like all these other guys who are on the team, you know, it's probably a bunch that I'm just not even thinking about right now. They're all gone. And you don't have any remnants of those Super Bowl team players. And it's just, it's hard to uh, probably buy into the Belichick uh, coaching methods and everything when you don't feel like you're a Super Bowl caliber team. And, you know, when you don't have a lot of guys in the locker room who can tell you what it was like to win the trophy, I'm sure it's hard to feel like you're in that spot, especially, I mean, just looking at the standings at this point. So, Oh, yeah. and But I think if he gets one of these, you know, surefire quarterback prospects, then maybe that's his opportunity to be like, okay, we're back, right? Because the other thing is, you've got draft picks. You're not just losing players. You can replace players. And right, yeah. it seems like the Patriots keep missing in free agency. They keep uh, you know, missing in the draft. It's like, what, this roster should be better. And maybe Belichick just needs to not let his dog be the only one making choices on <laughs> draft night. Uh, so See, and that, that's that's the thing with this team, is if Belichick were to stick around, then I wouldn't feel like all that nervous because it's year after year free agency and drafts have not gone well for this team. But if they were to bring in somebody else who is like a sharp football mind, you know, new GM, new head coach, separation of duties, separation of powers. then I think that that's when you see like all this money they have and think, okay, they have these great draft picks and that's, what's going to get them back to the promised land of at least being a competitive football team, not, you know, being a team that Patriots fans actually root for every week, because right now I think that most of them are like, well, it's great. You know, it sucks watching this, but it'll all be worth it if we end up with one of these quarterbacks. Yeah. They or just, Marvin Harrison Jr. Sure. Um, but yeah, they just look really incompetent right now. And uh, I'm actually at the point now where I'm not, I am not necessarily relishing every moment of Patriots fans being an act. <laughs> yeah, right. It now it's just right because they're rooting for it. Yeah, and that that was my thing when it came to Brady with the Bucks. If Patriots fans were like "fuck you, Tom Brady, for leaving us," then I would have been all all aboard the Brady because uh, <laughs> as much as I hate Patriots, I think I hate the Patriots fans most. So anything that they enjoy, it's I'm going to root for the opposite. And that means hoping that they manage to win these games and then seeing them lose. 10 to 6, 10 to 9, 6 nothing. It's like, what is going on? How does this happen? So, um, and of course, it probably means they're going to beat the Steelers on Thursday night, and that'll be significantly worse than the Cardinals. I mean, <laughs> at least Arizona has a competent quarterback in Kyler Murray. I know it's easy to hate on him with, you know, the whole Call of Duty and everything, but he's a fun player. He's really good. Like, he is a high-level quarterback, Pro Bowl caliber. The Patriots don't have that right now. The graphic had Bill Belichick for <laughs> advertising the game. I, they didn't have a like the only player you could have maybe used was Ramondre Stevenson, who's still been a solid running back, and now he's hurt. You put Ezekiel Elliott on there. Like, Are you starting you know, Ezekiel Elliott in fantasy if you've got him this Thursday? Honestly, I did pick him up on one of my teams, and I've been back and forth on starting him or Deontay Johnson. And do I want to go down with the ship with Deontay <laughs> or? 
do I want to be like, well, hey, if Zeke plays well, at least I have some positive. The thing is, my team's eliminated anyway, so there's less incentive for me to even care in that one. So I, uh, yeah, I picked up Zeke thinking I might play him over Damian Pierce, and then Pierce scored a touchdown in the first quarter. I was like, oh, great job playing Pierce. Zeke still ended <laughs> up scoring him. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of players that are on other teams besides the three teams that the hosts of this podcast uh or you two and, and me uh yeah. you know root for let's talk about the resurgent broncos the uh broncos you were able to go on a five game win streak this is who i thought they were when they got russ i thought they were yeah, going to be more right. crafty they were going to be you know a little bit you know sean payton well coached Cortland sutton I feel like no one's talking about Cortland Sutton. Dude is a absolute been touchdown great this year. fiend. Number yeah. three and receiving touchdowns with nine. Just quietly having a dominant scoring year. Yeah. The Broncos, they suffered a tough loss against the Texans this week. I think that... Um, so one thing that I, I had heard was that in their previous five wins, the Broncos had 16 turnovers. The Texans protect the ball. The Texans did not. I, I don't think they turned it over at all. And then, you know, the Broncos end up losing the game on a game-ending interception. So it did feel like they were due for a loss at this point. But it has been impressive. And it's one of those things where I keep forgetting that the Broncos were supposed to be a good team just because <laughs> of how awful they looked in those first six weeks. And it's like, well, no, yeah, I mean, you, you should kind of expect the, the Broncos to be 6-6 six and six at this point. It's just a very unconventional way of how they got there. I mean, they were completely destroyed by the dolphins but uh you know it, and even losing to the texans to me is not that bad now a team that we thought oh the cardinals are definitely going to get picks number one and two at the beginning of the year we were saying that now it's like could the texans make noise in the postseason yeah oh i know the texans they've been they've been a huge surprise this year i thought that they were going to be good i didn't think that they were going to be like a bottom three team in the league like we've seen the past few years but i didn't think that they were playoff ready and mostly i didn't think that cj stroud was going to come in and be this awesome as a rookie quarterback me neither i was completely wrong i thought this draft class like yeah bryce young definitely best quarterback and we'll see about the rest and cj stroud has been incredible it, some of the most entertaining games I've seen this year have been Texans games. Yeah. Watching him and all those weapons. That Bucks game earlier yeah. in the year, right? That was one of the best games of the year. It's I mean, explosive. He, he's, he's been so much fun to watch. Yeah, and having yeah, the whole uh, team, and having another Shanahan coaching tree coach go yeah. out and turn around a train wreck of a team. Listen, the Jets still need help, but Robert Sala is a defensive guy. That defense looks great, but. You know, McDaniel's down in Miami, and now uh, D'Amico Ryan's in, uh, in in Houston. It's it's honestly, uh, the, you know, the Niners just getting a compensatory third round pick is not compensation enough for the value these guys bring <laughs> to their new teams. Uh-huh. And it, but it, but you do love to see it. I, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for the Texans. Uh, you know, good for them to to kind of turn it around. And with Trevor Lawrence potentially being out. I haven't really looked at the Texans' schedule moving forward, but could they even win the division? Yeah, I mean, they definitely missed out on a big opportunity losing to Jacksonville at home a couple weeks ago. But, you know, it definitely is more promising now. Although it sounds like Lawrence hasn't even been ruled out for this week's game. They don't think it's going to be a long-term ankle injury that he suffered, which is it's good for him and good for the Jaguars and good, good for the for NFL football. to have. Yeah. yeah, right. To have a... 
a good quarterback not be severely <laughs> injured. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Texans, they, they definitely have an opportunity. They have a, a very favorable schedule. Jets, Titans, Browns, Titans, Colts. I mean, that Texas Colts game Sunday to end the year has huge playoff implications. And who would have ever thought that coming into the season with both those teams at seven and five right now? Yeah. So now, I mean, um, the, that could, the, the Texans yeah. have a lot of potential. That defense is looking a lot better than I think anyone expected in year one. Jimmy Ward, former Niner, followed his defensive coordinator down to Houston, got the game winning interception on Russell Wilson. So it was, uh, that was, a, that was a good game. I, I enjoyed that one. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed watching it. We um so I was I was out for my friend's birthday and um at we kept going places that had NFL Sunday ticket, mostly coincidentally, but because of that I was able to watch the Steelers in other games and when the Steelers went to the lightning delay, we just had it switched to Broncos Texans. So I was able to kind of forget that the Steelers were playing in a lightning storm and watch the end of that and enjoy it. And then it was like, oh no, wait, I have to go back and watch my team now lose to Arizona <laughs> it was uh almost as heartbreaking as seeing your team lose to Arizona was seeing Tank Dell go down in that yeah uh, right that game That's especially he uh... was like an inside run what is he even doing in there he weighs right oh I know he it's weighs 36 weird. pounds he should not be <laughs> trying to yeah. push the pile right you wouldn't expect something like that to happen in that situation um you know a wide receiver gets hurt on a quarterback sneak at the goal line so yeah, that, that's definitely tough. But Texans do have a lot of other great weapons. Nico Collins. I mean, even Noah Brown has been awesome coming over from Dallas. Dalton Schultz as well from the Cowboys. So they definitely, um, like, it's a big loss. But if Nico Collins can go for, what, like 160 yards or whatever it was, then I think that the Texans offense is still going to be a, a big threat. I agree. Let's move over to the NFC. Do the Lions have the best running back tandem in the league? They're, I mean, it, I think that they're up there. Um, there have been times in the past couple of weeks where I would love to vouch for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, but it's hard to do that right now. <laughs> so I'm willing to concede that David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs might be. There are a lot of stats where you kind of look at the various tandems, um, just how everyone stacks up. It's fair to say those two. I mean, when they're healthy, they've both been playing great. I think that, you know, the Lions offense is very good. Their defense is suspect right now. I think that's very kinda, suspect. The yeah, further, the more of a lead they get, the worse their defense becomes. Yeah, right. Going up twenty-one to nothing, six minutes into the game, and it comes down to the wire. That's uh, <laughs> that's definitely a, a tough look for for the Lions and um, their Super Bowl chances. But they definitely are showing that they have a really good potential when it comes to offense right now. And if, you know, Dan Campbell and company can continue to build up that defense through free agency and the draft, then I do think, you know, the Lions, it's only a matter of time before they are truly legit. And I still think that they could be. It's just, you know, they, they, they're going through a rough stretch right now. Right. You know, I know they're two and one these past three games, but they, they either looked bad on offense or bad on defense or both. So. Right, and their their record's incredible. They've looked great this year. I mean, this is the year that the Lions are the team that they've shown that they could be in flashes right. at other times uh, during the Dan Campbell era. But I don't know if I see them getting past the Eagles, the Cowboys, or the Niners. I think that the Lions, assuming they stay healthy themselves, would be the biggest beneficiary of one of those other teams having a serious injury because then you know the lion gets a taste for blood and then you know you're you're gonna get eaten there uh because i think <laughs> right. they're a great team i just don't know if they're as consistent 
and complete as the Cowboys, the Niners, and the Eagles. No, I, I agree with that. I think they need to be at least a top two seed. Um, you know, they can't be relied on to go on the road and, you know, beat those teams in, in succession, I think would be the difficult um, thing for them. So, uh, I mean, they'll get an opportunity against Dallas on the road in week 17 to, you know, either get huge momentum going to the playoffs or, you know, all right. Well, they were cute and all, but we don't really <laughs> believe in them. <laughs> so, well, yeah. um, let's speaking of cute, uh, nobody uh, runs more trick plays and, and tries to get cute on offense. I don't know. This is an interesting transition. Then the Dolphins. <laughs> the Dolphins yes. with uh, some of the most uh-huh. high-speed offense we've ever seen. Uh, it's, and, and they're looking like right now, I honestly feel like they're the best team. In, them and the Ravens, maybe, are the best teams in the AFC right now. They look incredible when – they're playing against an inferior opponent. I will. Yeah, add. I would say like the Dolphins and the Cowboys make bad teams look really bad, and them look really good. Like if they could go to the Super Bowl and face each other in like a pregame matchup, <laughs> and then like the real teams go, like then yeah, that would be awesome. I. It is a question of what are they going to do? Like, are they going to be able to actually beat some of those top teams? You know, especially when it comes to playoff time. But I do think that Miami's offense is very fun to watch it's so explosive and it gives you reason to believe that if they can get it going on any Sunday like yeah this team definitely has a shot but you also kind of think back to the losses to Buffalo and Kansas City earlier the year where their offense was not as high flying and you're like well is that really who they'll be come playoff time when they're facing the best of the best so I, I understand the doubts about them but it's also it's hard to overlook them when they score 45 points I don't care if it's Washington right so and and because I said the same thing about Dallas last week so I, I have to say that about Miami now right so. right no and I agree with that but again it's one of those things where it's like it's still the NFL and even though this season it seems like pretty clear cut that it's they're great against bad teams, and then they can't hack it against good teams, but they have those game-breaking players, and you're like, eventually those guys are going to get loose against any, you know, uh, there's a chance they're going to get loose against any opponent. Right, yeah. And then you bust the game wide open, and the the chief offender, the the, the, the number one guy who's going to, has the potential to do that, is Tyreek Hill. Is he an MVP candidate? I mean, he absolutely should be. I don't know how serious the voters will be. He probably needs to have some type of historic numbers when it's all said and done. Which he but probably not, will, right? He's on track right. to, to He is on track 2000. to do. So it's, yeah, it's really not that difficult for him to get to 2,000 receiving yards, assuming he stays healthy and, you know, continues to put up at least some games like he did on Sunday. Right. So. And it's, well, you have to ask yourself what does it mean to be an MVP or what does the NFL evaluate an MVP to be? Uh, I've seen some pretty in-depth conversations about the NBA and the way that they determine Mm -hmm. an MVP. And it's like, your team has to be good. Like, unless you're the triple double Russell Wilson or Russell Westbrook, you have to be like a top three seed or something like that. Like your team has to be winning. There's more to it than just saying, who would leave the biggest void if they were taken off of their team or maybe even who's playing the best you know there's kind of this narrative that surrounds what a typical mvp is for your league and in the nb or in the nfl it seems like it's the best quarterback <laughs> you know that's what it, it, it <laughs> uh, it's uh 
I think a, a kicker won MVP back in like the 40s oh, or yeah, something. Oh, yeah, the strike. I thought even in the strike year in 1982, a kicker won MVP because he went nine for, 19 for 20 kicking. Dang. Yeah, my dad just sold me That's that. That's not that impressive, ago. though. Like- no, no, compared <laughs> to today, it's not at all. But that was also, they only played nine games sure, that sure. season. So, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's usually quarterbacks of teams that are near the top of the league. But to me, the MVP, I like it when the value added is actually like this player makes them one of the best teams in the league. So I do like that aspect to it. Um, and I, I mean, the Dolphins, if they're a one seed, Tyreek Hill is a big part of the reason why. I think like this is a year where there are a lot of players around the league, also like on the defensive side of the ball, who are very much deserving MVP candidates. And I think a big part of that reason why is that it's not a clear cut quarterback is the MVP. Like we've seen in a lot of years that people want to open up the arguments for these other players who instead will probably just win offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, you know, other awards for them. So that way quarterback can win their award, which is MVP. Right. You have somebody like Brock Purdy, who's leading in all these QB categories. But like we said, a lot of injured quarterbacks out there. And he's got a teammate who other people are saying maybe he's the MVP in Christian McCaffrey. So, right. again, I go back to just saying it seems like it's a quarterback award. So if you're going to yes. give it to a quarterback, then give it to the quarterback who's playing the best on the best team. But I do like this idea that Tyreek could potentially make his case. Now, here's the thing. Just because you broke the record, I don't think inherently makes you – you know, a MVP. Cause it's not like, no, I agree with that. It's not like yeah. Jerry Rice won MVP for setting the record, right? It, you should deliver that level of value, uh, you know, and, and there's still time for him to do that. We've seen Tyreek do some insane things this year. I, I don't know how much you can justify a quarterback who throws for, you know, 4,500 yards. If there's a wide receiver out there with 2,500 yards on his own, it's like, that would be insane. So we'll, right. we'll just have uh, to wait and see. But I'm kind of like, as much as I'd love Brock, obviously I want Brock to win MVP. But if it can't be him, maybe Tyreek. Yeah, no, I, I do think that he should be in the conversation. I think it's it's very reasonable that the, and that this could be a year where, you know, a wide receiver wins MVP over quarterback. But then you also kind of get on the precedent aspect. is like, well, why didn't this guy win when he put up this great season? That might be how some voters would think well so. also at the end of the day i think uh awards are kind of silly and yeah. i like yeah, when right. my favorite players get them but i look uh, at it the same way as like music awards or movie awards it, it's so subjective in in a lot of ways right. that uh-huh. i kind of I, I i take a little stock out of them and football should be objective i think that there you know it's, it's, there's scores and there's records should be objective and we'll talk about college football gonna in a say, little bit is this yeah, <laughs> in a little bit. if this is the transition <laughs> I, you have more to add a <laughs> couple more things i want to t- t- touch on for the nfl uh, before we move on uh i was in uh you know i was paying attention to the niners game so i wasn't really watching the browns rams game but uh you know i was also preparing my dinner and i was like checking the score and i you know i saw that joe flacco was taking on Matt Stafford in an absolute uh, you know, nail-biter of a game. And I was transported back in time. I was like, what year is it <laughs> that these two uh-huh. Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks are the ones going head-to-head? Uh, I, you know, I, I, thought, I thought Joe looked great. 
you know, in a year that's been weird for quarterbacks, I think that he looks all right. The old man, the this the elite old man uh, yes. looked all right against. I know they lost, but still, I was impressed. Well, I mean, especially given he was just signed off the streets and came out and had to be the starting quarterback this week. I, I do think that it, yeah, it was an impressive effort by him. Um, I, I'm sure that Ravens fans and Browns fans alike felt very weird <laughs> seeing what happened there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cool. I guess Joe Flacco is someone who I don't hold like a ton of animosity toward. I know that, you know, Steelers Ravens are a big rivalry and everything. He won that one Super Bowl in 2012, like against your team. You know, he had this incredible postseason run, but you know, for the longest time, the Ravens didn't really do anything else after that because of his big contract. So it's just, you know, he's more of a meme, a, you know, it's Jeff Flacco elite than like an actually <laughs> elite quarterback. So, yeah, that's how uh, I feel, too. It's just a nice little throwback. You know, it's uh, yeah, right. for, for, like only old heads will understand this meme. And then it's just Joe uh, Flacco on the Browns uh, for the Rams. How far do you see them going? I like their offense. Yeah, I, I I do too. When they're they're fully healthy, um, I think that overall this team. I remember we talked about them heading into the season, and I think all of us were were fairly down on them. I think you guys. I was the Brian most just up on their offense. Yeah, right. You were just dismissing their defense, being like, "I haven't heard of any of these guys," yes. and I was like, <laughs> "I don't know about their offense." And um, yeah, their offense has been great. Puka Nakua, I didn't see him coming out of nowhere like he has it's been he's been a a revelation this year for them i do think that the rams i mean someone's got to be the seventh seed in the what or the nfc right and the rams have the potential to do that what are they six and six now yep so they're ahead of seattle in the division they have the tiebreaker over them they beat them twice so this gives more reason to believe that the rams could end up making the playoffs i don't necessarily believe they'll do anything if they get there but you know, they're, they are one of those teams who coming into the season, I think a lot of people were quick to overlook them because of how bad things went at the end of the year, but also be like, this team just won the Super Bowl two years ago. Like if Matthew Stafford does not have like a destroyed elbow and he's actually able to play quarterback still, the Rams could be a, a decent team. And, you know, they certainly fit the billing of decent team this year. I agree. And this is what I was afraid of. They had all these new players and it's like, what if they're all good? (laughs) And Kyron Williams has been a revelation. Puka Nakua Uh as well. So yeah, again, it's just unfair that the Rams are able to find such value after selling out and getting a Super Bowl and just being like, okay, well, we're okay with the future being just just terrible, uh, that they're still competitive in some degree. So whatever. I mean, they are still a middling team, but yes, I mean, they're competitive enough and you know, you could end up having to face them in the playoffs and relive memories of, (laughs) you know, other games that didn't go as well in the past. Uh, Mick Vay is is one of the best coaches in the league today. So I, I, you know, I respect that. And that obviously has a big influence on it. Okay. Last thing for the NFL, then we can move on. Mike Evans, now over 1,000 yards in his 10th season, 10 straight seasons with 1,000 yards. Dude is an absolute legend. Only one other wide receiver has ever done that. The the GOAT wide receiver, Jerry Rice, Mike Evans, an elite company being able to reach that. It doesn't matter who his quarterback is because he's that good. Uh, You know, make make sure you just CC Johnny Manziel on that one. Uh, Mike Evans is just an absolutely all-world elite Hall of Famer, one of the best wide receivers of all time, and we're lucky we get to watch him play football on Sundays. 
Yeah, no, he's he's been awesome. Um, definitely tough personally for me because I didn't even intend to, but I, I accidentally, if you will, drafted Chris Godwin in three leagues, and he's been <laughs> useless while Mike Evans has been awesome. I'm like, why did I think that he was going to be good this year? But, yes, I mean, removing that aspect <laughs> of it away, Mike Evans has been great. I mean, he's look, the, the Bucks have guys who are not far removed from winning a Super Bowl, tasting success in the playoffs. And that's why it was easy for me to look at this team and say, I mean, if Baker Mayfield is just even close to the quarterback he was at the beginning of his Browns career, then Tampa can be a threat in a really bad NFC South division. And they absolutely are at this point. I, I mean, I don't think they're a great football team by any means. Uh, I'm not even sure that they're a good football team. You know, they did just barely beat the Panthers 21 to 18 on Sunday. But, uh, you know, it, it is nice seeing at least some semblance of quality football coming out of the NFC South because we don't often get that this year. And it's you you don't often see such longevity at, at an uh skill position like right. this that's elite oh i know so i just yeah. gotta you know we just gotta appreciate mike evans for what he's doing it's really impressive and whether you're a bucks fan or not you know you gotta give him his flowers he's freaking is he unbelievable. a free agent i know there were contract talks with him Ooh, i don't know I think, that could yeah, be think, very interesting right. though I, yeah i think he is available on the open market wow um, yeah, so that'll, that'll certainly be interesting to see what happens there because I know him and the Bucs were unable to reach an extension that would keep him with the Bucs for the rest of his career, but they also like entertain or at least were considering to an extent whether he should be traded, and I assume because of that, it's a walk year. Mike Evans to the Chiefs confirmed? Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people thought they might trade for him, especially after that... Uh, Thursday night to start the year and then the news of Evans not getting a deal done. So that, uh, I mean, it feels like Kansas city needs to get a high quality wide receiver. Yeah. If only uh, they had a high quality wide receiver, if only there was some way that they could have had a elite wide receiver at some point. They uh, want a Super Bowl without Tyree kill. <laughs> it's just, they, you know, they, they tried to replace him with Juju. He helped him win a Super Bowl and then they let him walk, which is probably the smart thing to do. Um, given his, his status in new england right now but it also isn't you know they they just have i don't know what what to make of that team and that wide receiver unit because as much as i want to believe that they can turn things around and stuff it's there's not a whole lot of time left in the season and they keep losing these games definitely tough for Mahomes, but he's had enough success he can take a year off okay right uh let's right. move on to college football playoffs yeah also i i like how i've kind of hijacked the hosting yeah i was gonna here. i was just thinking that <laughs> um <laughs> just it's fair you know you, i'll let i'll let you do this you used to run the show once i'm, once ha- I'm having a good time here so obviously the college football playoffs field has been announced yep. what is your reaction to Alabama making it over the uh, over Florida State. Yeah, so I I think that the committee got it right here. I think that it sucks for Florida State. I get their fans being upset. I get the implications that this has. But when it comes down to it, this was the first year since way back in 2014, the first year of the playoffs, that you had five power five conference champions who are deserving of a playoff spot most of the time one of the conferences cannibalizes themselves and it's a relatively easy decision by the committee 
this year you had five teams who deserved to get in based on winning a conference championship while having one or fewer losses in Florida State it sucks but they are not a they are the fifth best of those teams without Jordan Travis and with their backup and third string quarterback situation that we saw against Florida and then Louisville on Saturday night and you know as someone who's a fan of college football I am glad that we're going to 12 team playoff next year so that way Florida State can still get in but I'm also glad that Alabama is in over Florida State because I would much rather see Alabama play Michigan in the Rose Bowl than Florida State with their backup quarterback do so. It, so is that – my question is when you say they got it right, what are they aiming yeah. for? Well, and yeah, and that, that is a great question because the committee always says the goal is to get the four best teams in. But if that was truly the goal – you'd probably still put Georgia in the field. Right. You'd maybe find a way to get Ohio State in. I think it's that's the one thing with college football right now is when you have these dominant conferences, the reason why they get so much of an advantage is because they're the best teams. One of them has to lose. One of Georgia and Alabama had to lose. One of Ohio State and Michigan had to lose. So it's just, to me, it's fair to kind of knock them out of this four-team playoff setup. But it also to me, combines the fact of four best teams that are deserving to get in. Because in the past, we've seen teams like TCU, Cincinnati, who I thought were deserving to get in over teams who did not have the same type of resume as them. But I don't think that Florida State going 13-0 and was like that much better than Texas or Alabama going 12-1. and and, you know, given the way that those teams played. And if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, this isn't a debate. Florida State's top four team. But if you watch them play, they're just simply not. You can't tell me you watch Texas destroy Oklahoma State at noon. Then you watch Alabama beat the two-time defending national champion, 29 straight win Georgia at four. And then watch Florida State barely go out and uh, play offense, 59 passing yards against Louisville at eight and say, yeah, they deserve to get in over either of those two teams. So that that's the way that I look at it. And I get it in the grand scheme of things. You're like, well, Florida State, they went undefeated. They earned it. Like, it's like, oh, we, we played it on the field. Why play the games if it's just going to be a beauty contest in the end? And to me, that's just, hey, we're getting 12 teams next year. You don't have to worry about it. These debates will be about nine and three teams next year, not 13 and 0 and 12 and 1. <laughs> right. So, But does that fix it? Does going to 12 teams fix this uh, like, yeah, I mean, subjective I, I, metric? Right. And I think it will in the sense that conference champions are going to get in. If you win your conference championship, you are going to get in. It doesn't matter how bad the rest of your conference is. Now, ranking might be a difference. Could be a difference between having a bye or not a bye, playing a home game in the first round or having to go on the road. But you're going to get the opportunity to at least make the field. And I'll say, in past years, I have not always been the biggest advocate for expansion because there are a lot of years where Alabama and Clemson are the top two teams or, you know, Alabama and Georgia, like whoever, like we know they're two, maybe three teams like Ohio State is is up there. And then after that, it's like, OK, we just got to give a fourth spot to somebody. But then you just end up with a blowout in the semifinals. This would have been a perfect year to have more than four teams, because I think that there were legitimately eight teams deserving of competing for a national championship. Twelve. I like it. I like having the buy. I like having the uh the home game for some of these teams. I, th- I think it it's going to be a much better product in some years. 
there also be years where it's like, all right, this is just a waste of time. Why do we let all these teams play? But at the very least, all those New Year's Six Bowl games that guys don't care about, they all transfer, opt out, get ready for the draft. <laughs> they now at least have to play in them. I think it's going to be a good thing for college football. I do think 12-team would have been big this year because in the end, Florida State as a five seed, they'd be playing Liberty as a 12 seed at home in Tallahassee. You know, Tate Rodemaker, see what you can do there, get a warm up game, and then you go play Alabama. It's on a neutral side anyway. So uh, now, it now, wouldn't really matter four versus five in that sense. So, yeah. So Liberty, undefeated, right? Yes. Do they have a case? Or should they be upset that they're not, they're, they're just like Florida <laughs> I mean, State? They don't look no, the no, part. It is. Because, so they're no, not so it's to be. right. It's it's very different in that situation because the conference USA is just it's not a Power Five conference. If you look at Liberty's schedule, you probably don't even know some of the schools they played are Division One football teams. So, um, so that's I don't a, that's think an so. argument. Like I guess it, it, that's like an argument against objectivity in the playoffs, right? Because some teams their undefeated schedule. Will never be enough. They're just they're essentially right. excluded from the playoffs, right? By because default. the 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 strength of schedule just does not compare to those other teams. Where you're not going to reward Liberty for beating up on, you know, all these random schools, while Alabama gets penalized for losing to Texas, or because you know Texas gets penalized for losing to Oklahoma. Like it's just it's not going to be viewed the same way. Florida State has a gripe. Like they should definitely be upset about how this played out because they did go 13 and 0 in the ACC Power Five school or Power Five conference, but they also had the weakest strength of schedule of all those teams, and they lost their star quarterback and did not look well. They had two opportunities to look like a team that was a national championship caliber team. They didn't. It's not like Cardell Jones and Ohio state <laughs> when they scored 59 points against Wisconsin and you're like, Oh yeah, they're the same team. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. Sure. But what if they were to say this week, Oh, this guy you haven't seen yet is going to be our quarterback now. And he's good. Trust us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, How can you know? He, you know, uh, it's one of yeah, those. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Like, it is. I get. I I understand it. It's easy for me to sit here and say, "Oh, you want to watch Michigan play Florida State in a playoff game? Go rewatch the Big Ten championship game when Michigan State beat Iowa twenty six to nothing." Because I Florida State is essentially Iowa right now with their third string quarterback, comparing their offense and their defense. So defense is a leak. Jared Verse is going to be a top pick in the NFL draft. Like they're. they're I think they have other guys that are notable on that side of the ball. Keon Coleman, great wide receiver. He's up there in the running for one of the first receivers after Marvin Harrison Jr. when it comes to the draft. But I just, for me, I'm looking at it and it's it's one of those things where I think I'm becoming more passionate in the sense of like, why are people that pissed off about it? That when on New Year's Day, picture this, it's 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, you turn on ABC, watch the Rose Bowl, see the flyover, and then you're like, why am I watching this game? Michigan's up 14 to nothing right now. Like this isn't competitive. Florida State can't move the ball versus Michigan and Alabama. Who would not rather see that? And, you know, I think it's still early. People are going to complain about it. And when it's all said and done, Florida State could technically win a national championship if they beat Georgia and they're 14 and 0. And, you know, <laughs> there could be a poll that puts them as the number one team outside of the college football playoff championship. They would not be able to win the college football playoff. Like that, it just, it's the reality. This, it's not a case like TCU. Max Duggan was a Heisman finalist last year. TCU, like, yes, they had their flaws. Like their defense wasn't all that great. They barely beat teams, but they had, 
like the potential there. Like they won or they didn't win the Big 12. They went 12 and 0 in the regular season in the Big 12, which was a very good conference. It wasn't top of the line, but there were a lot of ranked teams in it. It's not the same situation. It's not Cincinnati when they went 13 and 0, you say, "Well, they beat Notre Dame." And that year there wasn't a team. It was you put in a 13 and 0 team or you put in a two-loss team. We're talking about a 12 and 1 SEC champion Alabama and it's it's easy. I think it's a lazy take to say that ESPN is just rigging it to get the SEC in and showing SEC bias in here. I think it's just simply Alabama is a better football team than Florida State. Both of them won their conference championship with resumes that were deserving of the playoffs, but only four teams can get in. So one team is going to be left out. Next year it wouldn't happen future it wouldn't happen there'd be 12 teams like you wouldn't be that dominant of a team at that point we'd be arguing over Ole Miss versus Penn State versus you know <laughs> like some of these other schools that it's like okay who gets a 10-11 spot but then you're just gonna go into Athens and lose to Georgia anyway right it almost seems like uh we're adding too many teams at that point where we're gonna right. have a bunch and that of is wasted time certainly a possibility yeah well, so. but I guess, I don't know, you know, you definitely are a little bit more well-versed in kind of how college football works. Because to me, it's it's so complicated. There's so many different conferences. Some of them matter and some of them don't matter. Why <laughs> yeah, do these guys right. even, why would you even put uh-huh. Liberty in the top 25 if you're like, oh, well, they, they, just don't, they would never be good enough, right? Uh, it, I, like, that's one of the things that, you know, a true sportsman believes is that if you have the, the grit and the, you believe and a miracle, you know, miracles can happen that even like this scrappy bunch of kids from Liberty could beat Georgia or something like that. You know, that's something that you want to be able to believe in. And it's so nice to look at records and say, this team is better because they have a better record, but it's just not that simple in college football. So you can't do that in college sports in general because there are way too many teams and you don't play anywhere close to everybody. You play a lot of the same teams in like your little group of the country for the most part of where you're located. So, yeah, I mean, that's it's a subjective sport when it comes down to it. Right. Back in the day, teams would just play bowl games and then voters would say, oh, I think they're the best team. (laughs) There wasn't like at least with the BCS, you got a true championship game to prove it. Now we get a four-team playoff. Now we're going to get a twelve-team playoff. But you're still going to have a lot of the same problems because in the end, it's going to come down to rankings. It's going to come down to some level of subjectivity, strength of schedule, strength of record, all these things. Whether it's college football, whether you're talking March Madness, college basketball, even you know college hockey, like the FCS, they have a playoff system. Only twenty-four teams make the playoffs. Twenty-five teams are ranked. Now, there are some conferences that don't participate, but you're going to end up leaving good teams out of it anyway. So, uh, I mean, that's just the reality of how college sports works on a national level because you have so many different teams to choose from and only so many spots. So what I'm hearing is that college football is more akin to, you know, ice skating or bodybuilding. Yeah, right, skating, gymnastics, right. yeah, boxing. Like, yeah, of then, course. Yes, I mean. <laughs> it's more like that than it is like NFL uh, football where the only yes. thing that matters is whether you win or lose. So, okay. Right. And, and honestly, you've made a really compelling case to me right now that that's just how it is. There isn't really a, a, an answer because just mm-hmm. humor me for a second. I, I'm less confident in this. Okay. Before the viewer started recording, I told you that I had a fix yes, for this. Way to fix it. I, yes. I, I, I still I feel a little bit less confident in that. But what if you had? What if the amount of playoff spots before the season was not determined, and it actually was okay. determined by the results at the end of the year? 
I, don't, I mean, I, 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 I would let me like just that. let me just pitch yeah. this because sure, uh, uh-huh. it, it doesn't work perfectly because you've got your liberties out there. You've got uh, I think somebody else was a one loss team. Uh, well, you, you've got you've got your liberties out there who are undefeated and they don't meet the criteria because I guess screw them. But <laughs> it, this year, if you were to say, okay, if you're one loss or better, you make the playoffs. If you're in one of the schools that qualifies here, we would have a seven-team playoff, right? Uh, and and you would have Michigan who gets the bye. And I guess for seeding, if we want to, because the whole point here is we're aiming towards objectivity, right? We're going off of yep. your record, and then secondarily, we're going off of your strength of schedule. I don't know if Michigan has the highest strength of schedule, but I'm just going to take the rankings as they are to, to decide this, right? Yeah, Washington might be above them. That's something no one's talking Michigan versus Washington because everyone's talking Alabama, Florida State. Washington does have an argument to be above Michigan. But sure, let's but sure, just we'll just like let's that. just take the ranks yeah. that they are right now. But in real, in, in practice, we would actually change the schedule. So you'd have Michigan mm-hmm. getting a bye week, and then you would have all the other teams seated probably differently than they are right now because you would probably have to put Florida State third if they've got the best record, right? And then you would go down the records from there. Um, I think you could probably get more intricate here because I think one of the issues is are you rewarding conference champions, right? Like, do you say Alabama is inherently, you know, above Georgia because they, they beat them? You know, they have the same record. Like, throw strength yeah, of schedule I think, away and right. say you head beat to head should to head. be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Head to head should be fair to say that Texas is above Alabama and Alabama is above Georgia. Right. But it's like, if you look at it that way, you would get everybody from Ohio State up in into the dance, and then this can be different on years where not as many one-win teams are left at the end. And then you can say, screw the rest of those guys. We've only got four teams in the playoffs this year, or we've only got five teams in a bye week and then those other two. Um, or even, I don't even know if it's possible, but if you can get 12 one-loss teams, you can go all the way up to that. I think that's where we still cut it off. That You start getting yeah. to play too much football at that point. No, I say, I do think that conceptually that makes a lot of sense in terms of a lot of the, I guess, criticisms and fears of expanding to too many teams gets you and that some years there's going to be more of a disparity than other years. Right. I do think with conference realignment, we're going to end up in a lot of interesting scenarios where it's going to be even more of a challenge because the Big Ten and the SEC are about to be loaded. Who knows what's going to happen with the Big 12 and the ACC? Um, you know, will the PAC whatever even exists in the any Pac capacity two. that they're relevant? <laughs> yeah, right. But when you talk about having a conference, it's not just right now the Big Ten. It's Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Michigan State was relevant one year. There have been a couple years where like Wisconsin or Iowa even, like they're at least kind of a threat. Now you're adding... Southern Cal, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington from the West Coast. Those are four programs who historically have been at least in a national championship conversation at various points in time. I think it's going to just lead... I mean, you talk about the travel aspect of it as well. It's just going to lead to a lot more two lost teams that are like, wait, this is like a championship caliber team. They just happened to lose two really tough games on the road because they had to play in Pasadena and Columbus in back-to-back weeks. So you could say the same thing about the SEC with Texas and Oklahoma joining an already loaded conference and them getting rid of divisions as well. Now that's going to, it's not just Georgia and then 
you know, oh, maybe South Carolina be the number two team in the SEC. <laughs> oh, Tennessee, it feels like 98 this year. Whereas the SEC West, it's just Alabama, LSU, Auburn, A&M, like, you know, one of the Mississippi schools. Like, you're going to have a lot more opportunities, I think, for teams to cannibalize themselves. But because it's a 12-team playoff, you're still going to see them in the dance when it's all said and done. And, you know, there still will be conferences that get rewarded over others. And there will still probably be some tough conversations, but you're not going to end up in a point where you have a team that on paper, Florida State should be in a playoff going 13-0 and in the ACC, but they had to be left out because someone had to get kicked out. And they did because their quarterback got hurt and they weren't the same team without him. You know, they'll get the opportunity to at least prove that they're not the same team without him <laughs> in a twelve team playoff. So Yeah. I, I yeah. yeah. I, I, I am looking forward to it being twelve teams next year. I think that is going to alleviate a lot of this. I think it's a lot less compelling to be like, but my two loss team is better than the two loss team you guys like than yeah. my undefeated team doesn't get to what more can we possibly do? Right. <laughs> so yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that'll yeah. be at least good for now. I, I mean, I love the college no, it, football playoffs, even though the game yeah, have never been there. Right. And it gives a school like South Carolina a chance. Like we will never find ourselves in a 14 playoff as long as we're in a conference with Alabama and Georgia and Texas and Oklahoma and LSU and all these other schools. It would take just an insane set of circumstances. If the goal is to be top 12, we've been top 12 in the country before. It's not impossible. It's true. So. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of schools. And at that point, it's like, well, you got in, so there you go. You get your chance. You can believe in the hope. Um, Now, you have most of the country is eliminated by, like, October 1st. So (laughs) it goes to 12 teams. Very few teams will be, in theory, eliminated at that point, especially if the group of five team automatically gets in. Liberty gets into the tournament as, you know, the the highest-ranked group of five team. So. I do think it's a shame that college football is so top heavy. So anything we can do to reward yeah, the right. middle tier and our middle upper tier is, is I think a good move. Yes. And to me, like the whole idea that, Oh, well you're just going to end up with some like bad teams winning championships, you know, three loss champion, whatever. I think it's just going to prove that, Hey, this team, like, yeah, they suffered these losses early in the year or whatever. Like they were just not faced, like they're facing competition. That just, it's imbalance, you know, Georgia, 12 and 1, very much deserving of being in a championship in the playoffs just like these other teams, but we dismiss them because they happen to lose their last game of the season. Same with Ohio State. Doesn't necessarily mean that they can't win a national championship. It just means that they lost in their opportunity to get in and instead, oh, Washington won the Pac-12 so they get in. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a, a very much a subjective sport. You know, people are going to find ways to debate everything. I'm sure that you're going to continue to have these conversations, but letting more teams in in to the dance is only going to be good for college football as a whole, in my opinion. I, um, I think I'm right there with you. Yeah, I'm satisfied with the top four this year. I'm excited to see what happens on January 1st. And we have two very good matchups. I think Alabama is going to beat Michigan, and I think they're going to prove that they belong in in the the college football playoff because of that that but, would definitely make the case that's more yeah. objective uh outcomes right. there that are helping us to see concretely uh, who the best is so um yeah all right well let's move on to the nba in-season tournament 
And yes. uh, I've always been an advocate for this type of thing. I wish there was a way for NFL to have more than one trophy. Uh, I love yeah. the way that European soccer is able to kind of divide up the competitions. So even if you don't win your league, you still have a chance to win something of, of you know that matters. It's not just another regular season game. So having this in-season tournament, especially this early in the year, I think is actually pretty cool. Uh, have you been right. watching? I think the timing. May- I have. Yes. No. I, I was very much watching last night. I'm a big fan. Like the the fact that you got me into a December fourth Celtics versus Pacers game. That's something <laughs> that you know in the past. I'm like, oh yeah, they're playing. Oh, they lost. Well, that sucks. But there's still four months left in the season to go. But you come away from this one, you're like. That was a playoff-style game in Indiana. That crowd in Indianapolis was going crazy. Good for the Pacers, but also, like, is that what the Celtics going to look like in the playoffs? Like, Kristaps Porzingis is hurt. Like, do they need him? I think that they do. I think it's it's interesting to have these conversations right now because you have a playoff-like feel to the NBA before Christmas, and people said the NBA season didn't even start till Christmas for <laughs> years. So, no, I, I'm a big fan of the in-season tournament. Um you know, it would have been cool if the Celtics win. Ultimately, winning a championship is all that matters. But I do like this for a team like the Pacers where you come into the year, don't necessarily feel like you're a championship like caliber team. Making the playoffs would be more than enough success for you. But if you can go out and win the in-season tournament and like you can feel like you won a trophy, you won the NBA Cup, that's something that you can you know, sell merchandise for, get fan excitement, everyone's bought in, all of a sudden you're a team that everyone's talking about the rest of the way. I think it's cool for a team like them. The New Orleans Pelicans, like they uh, two years ago made the playoffs as an eight seed, like a put up a huge fight against the Suns. Like everyone's really buying into them. Disappointing year last year. Injury to Zion Williamson was a big part of that. They're also going to the semifinals now. More reason to kind of talk about this team. And, you know, Zion, you're getting all these trade rumors. If you can win an NBA Cup, that's reason to convince Zion, hey, maybe you can win a championship in New Orleans. So it's very different the way it's set up, um, especially just being single elimination versus a full best of seven, four round series. But I do think that the early returns on it have been positive, and I hope that the NBA continues to do this. I don't see them getting rid of it. I don't know why they would <laughs> do yeah. that. Um, and I think that you know a lot of the fans, like, look, all you have to know is, is it a Tuesday or a Friday night in November? Okay, then there's a NBA in-season tournament game being played. Like, you can tell by the courts, too. Like, that's it's pretty pretty clear um you know all it takes is like minor research just a quick google search (laughs) it's not that difficult you know read a twitter thread like it's not really all that hard to figure out who you know when in-season tournament games are happening and i think now that we're seeing them you know four games and two nights here are the only games on tv national spotlight I, i think it's great i love it so we are recording before the Tuesday game, so we don't know about Lakers, Suns, and Bucks, Knicks, but we know that the Pacers and the Pelicans are going to Vegas, and two of those four teams will be joining them. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I like I said, I I love having more than one goal for the year. Obviously, winning the championship is more important, but now you have the option for the double crown. You can also, yep. like you said, have a young team that maybe gets hot at the right time, and then they can win even though they would have no chance in like the actual postseason. So I love all that. I'll be honest. Yeah. And I mean, they get $500,000 out of it too. There are a lot of players on these teams, you know, on the bench or, you know, like the, even in the starting lineup on rookie contracts, it means a lot to them. And, you know, fans might need to, 
convince themselves to buy in more because it's like, what do you really get out of it? But it is to me, I think it's a positive thing in the sense of just being able to sell yourself. Okay, if we can win an NBA Cup in December, who's to say like this team isn't built for a playoff run in April, May, and June? I'll be honest, it is still basketball during football season. So I've only <laughs> yeah. really watched right. Thunder games for the tournament and the Thunder have been terrible in the tournament. So uh, that has put a damper on it, but I still really like the concept. And, and speaking of the Thunder, it feels like all that waiting is finally paying off. You know, when Paul George and I said that it was time to leave OKC, <laughs> things got uh-huh. really, really bad. But that trade is now looking incredibly one-sided in the favor yep. of the Thunder. And the rest of the roster is really kind of, uh, you know, taking shape. Chet Holmgren is a revelation. He looks like he yeah, could he's be been awesome. rookie of the year, which is an insane right. thing to even utter in the same With draft class as Victor Wembanyama. I don't think he will well, not, win it. Not the same draft class. Or, but, well, you're you know, right. He, he, rookie class. Yeah. I should rephrase that. Right, you're same right. rookie class. Uh-huh. I don't think that Chet will win it. I still think Wembanyama will end up winning it because there's opinions. <laughs> it's subjective. Yeah. And Wembanyama right. is just built different. But... Chet has been doing amazing stuff. He's been amazingly efficient, and he looks like he could be at all-star caliber. You know, he's he's working his way yeah. quickly into becoming one of the better centers in the league. Right. I remember watching him at Gonzaga and being like, like, I know this guy is good. I can see he's a good basketball player, but he's like a stick figure out there. How How is this working? How does he do this? Will it translate to the NBA? And then seeing him get hurt before the training camp even starts like in the middle of the summer it's just there were reasons to kind of be skeptical but it is exciting like it's fun watching him play basketball seeing the things that he's able to do at his height and size and definitely reasons to feel good about the thunder and like the next um you know core group here in uh you know this post kevin durant russell westbrook and you know paul george world yeah i mean so he's done some he's had some shots where he just rises above and sinks a three and you have to you know kind of wipe your eyes and be like was that Kevin Durant or was that Chet Holmgren uh, uh-huh. with some of the ways that he's been so efficient with his uh with his shots not to mention he's teaming up with SGA who yeah is all-star caliber potentially MVP caliber just dude is a, is a walking bucket and works so right. well awesome. in this system that where the Thunder it's like so much Teamwork, for lack of a better word. They're constantly moving the ball around, just unselfish, and SGA is just able to slither his way straight to the rim and uh, get get buckets no matter what the defense is doing. I mean, I love that he has become that player that, I mean, he's gone beyond all expectations that I heard of him when he showed up in Oklahoma City after that trade. Right. Yeah, there was a lot of potential when they acquired him in that Paul George trade, but you know, for him to turn into this all-star point guard, like top of the league, like elite type player the way he has, I think has uh exceeded even like the highest of expectations. So, it's uh you know, just another reason to really buy into this team long term. Now, uh unfortunately, the Josh Giddy situation is yeah, uncomfortable to talk about and ill-defined there's like no right. information out there um 
but t- t- sticking purely to basketball, he's a really great facilitator. He makes incredible passes every game. Uh, hopefully, he is not a terrible person and gets to continue playing basketball for the Thunder. That's all I can it's say a, on it right now. It, yeah, I say it's such a weird situation, and it, so many people are like calling out analysts for not speaking on it. They're like, you have a tweet to go off of like there there's an investigation there's a lot going on no one wants to get sued for slander no one wants to say something and have this not be what people are saying on the internet but it is a very interesting weird situation something happened in baseball similar to this wander franco all-star shortstop for the tampa bay race he was put on the restricted list and never played again, and we don't know what's going to happen there. But Giddy's still out there playing, so it feels like a different situation for that reason. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of like legal stuff that you get into, like Oklahoma versus Dominican Republic, and then like it, there's it's a very not fun thing to deal with yeah, as a fan. Josh Giddy being Australian and the culture in Australia right. being different around this subject, uh-huh. the. Thunder Instagram accounts comment section has become an absolute dumpster fire. Every oh, time I'm they sure. post anything, it's just Carl Malone gifts and people demanding that they send him directly to jail and and worse. So it's been it's been not great. So mm-hmm. uh which is unfortunate because Josh Giddy has looked uh, really great on, on the court. Yeah, he has. His passing is fantastic. And I guess I'll just leave it at that. I don't have anything else to comment right. on him until, you know, more comes out. So, right. Uh, Lou Dort continues to be the, the defensive, uh, you know, staunch defender that we need him to be, almost like the yep. defensive specialist. Isaiah Joe is an absolute sniper from downtown. Kaysen Wallace has been really great as a rookie, just coming out there and immediately contributing off the bench. I feel like this yeah, team has crazy nice depth. Happens. Like it's yeah, it's all there. It's just you're. I think you're just waiting a little bit longer for some of your stars to reach their potential, which you could see happening in maybe the next year or two. And then I think you're looking at a Thunder team that has a chance to compete. Maybe you turn some of those assets into another star player that maybe you just have right, on a rental or something like that. I think that should be the goal. Yeah. I mean, when you stockpile all those first-round picks to be able to then flip them for that missing piece to take you from that you know, playoff team to legitimate NBA championship contender. So, I mean, the future looks very bright in Oklahoma City. The present looks bright. You know, this team's the second place in the Western Conference right now. You know, we'll see where things are all said and done 60 games from now. But early returns on the season, got to feel very good about the Thunder. And, um, you know, there's an expectation that this team, they're knocking on the door last year, lost that 8-9 play-in game, feeling like they could take the next step this year. And, you know, so far it looks like they're doing that. Is Bronny going to enter the league next year? I don't know. He's still going to play. He's going to come back from a heart attack first, and then we can figure out. Like, he's, he, uh, I think that, um, Southern Cal basketball said they were getting him, like, ready to return to practice. Well, the, the so, whole college thing is just a formality, right? Like, whether he plays or not, well, he's I going mean, to the I, league. Yeah, he is. I guess you're right. And at that point, it comes down to does he declare after a year whether or not he's really good? And, you know, just so some team is going to, draft him and then get lebron as well to play with him like yeah th- there's there's a lot uh a lot of questions around that i do remember the uh lebron james press conference with sam Presti and praising him at the all-star game and being like oh he knows thunder have all these picks they're gonna take <laughs> Bronny with one of them but could, yeah could i don't know um yeah 
Right. It's, I mean, I, I think with, with Bronny, we got to see him actually get back on a basketball court first. You know, it's, it's, it's all uh, about getting LeBron. Dude is, he's still looks yeah. incredible. It's, it's insane. No, he's been he's, awesome this year. He's yeah. on that Tom Brady, like kind of late career dominance that uh, is just, in, just amazing. I, it's, uh, oh, this year they're showing like all the stats, like the career averages for players his age. And it's like him putting up the same stat line he did in Miami and then every other geezer putting up like seven points a game at best <laughs> uh-huh. so he's right. he's he's incredible yeah no it, it has been impressive what he's been able to do for like this long amount of time being being in the league you know at his age and you know the, the lakers they have not been like this dominant team this year i think a lot of people had pretty high expectations for them after going to the western conference finals last year but they could win the nba cup and maybe that would you know get them on track so the first we'll see. I mean, they also cup, might be eliminated yeah. by the time you're listening to this, but <laughs> <laughs> um, they would probably be my pick at the moment of who would win. So, well, but, I yeah. uh, I think that's exciting, um, and I'm, I'm loving the NBA right now. I, I'm I'm a football guy right now, but definitely looking mm-hmm. forward to uh, actually getting <laughs> dialed in once uh, the Super yep. Bowl is over. Yeah, as no, I do it's, every it's year. Very fun, <laughs> right? No, I, I get it. And there's, I definitely am in tune with what's going on before, especially it helps. I mean, football, it's Sunday, you know, and then now it's every day of the week. It is every like. day but, of the week. <laughs> but at least once you get into the playoffs, it becomes, you know, easier to, you know, have your weeks focus on other sports. And, you know, from there, it's just the weekend focusing on the football. So, but. All right. I think you yeah. should do this next part because you know all the right <laughs> <Okay>. words. <laughs> no, that's fair. Yeah. So. Uh, that was great. I, I did not expect to go almost two hours talking sports with you, but I know this is your first time on a sports podcast since August. So happy to let you take advantage of your appearance on this platform because it's fun. I mean, that's why our episodes are long is you want to get off all these takes and all these things on your mind. And, you know, we just hope that listeners appreciate it and uh, they find a way. If you have a week to listen to two hours. You can pull it off. So. I listen to He's Done It every week. Uh, Spotify rap just dropped. He's Done It yep. easily my number one podcast. I don't I don't know Love if it's it. by number of episodes listened to or time spent listening. Right. Both are very high for me because He's Done It. I love supporting small podcasts and because I feel like you guys actually respect yourselves enough to like say things you believe <laughs> i right, can't yeah. if stand... i give a hot take i actually believe it right well you believe it and you stand by it and then when you're wrong uh, you have to eat crow and that's it, i admit that's it, right what i that's what i like i, I hate these uh, skip bayless and and all these other guys who just go on tv and say the flashiest thing it's entertaining especially when it's my team and they're dunking on some other team like i've enjoyed them this week for sure i went out of my way to listen to Stephen a be like ah the 49ers are better <laughs> But generally, uh, I feel like those guys are a waste of time, and it's important to find your like sports media guys, and that's what he's done. It is for me. So, listener, you made a right, a good choice listening to this podcast. It's not, and it's not just because I'm on this week. It's because he's done his <laughs> uh-huh. ring quality every every episode. Yeah, of course, and I mean, I'll say Affable Chat is very very fun to listen to as well. And uh, even though I don't know a lot of the movies that you review, you still are always in my top five on Spotify <laughs> Rap. So. Um, we got Wonka yeah, coming up. So, uh, oh, wait, you... wait, the new one, the yes. Timothy Chalamet. All right, there you go. Gonna wrap up the year with that one. Got to get out to the theater. Yeah, 
Yeah, right. I know. I say that's something that I'm very bad at doing, and I need to come up with a movie of the year somehow. So <laughs> we'll figure out how we, we pull that it's off. It's not going to be Wonka. <laughs> I no, don't think so. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, probably not. I mean, I say like there are a couple movies, like two or three that come to mind. It's just, do I go to the theater and watch them? Do I find and you know, like how do I go about this? But I think I just need to suck up my pride just to... <laughs> Avoid saying that the Mario movie is the best <laughs> movie of 2023, even though I did really enjoy it. And I don't think it's that horrible of a thing to say. No, I no. just know that there are movies I would like more that I just, you know, don't want to sit in the theater for three hours to watch. But anyway, yes, we'll um, wrap up this episode with something we haven't done in a while, and that is the top five. And I'm glad that we're doing a top five here. I think that they're always fun. Um, and especially I like it with you because... Yes, you enjoy talking about sports, but you also like talking about things that aren't sports. You know, you come from a non-sports podcast, so it's nice to be able to kind of take a break from that. At the very least, if people skip ahead from the first two hours, they don't care about our sports stakes, but they like us enough to want to hear about our lives, then great. And um, that is a very fun top five you chose, which are the places that we visited, our favorite places we visited. In this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. Nice to get the uh, the Drake and LeBron <laughs> intro again. <laughs> haven't haven't had that in here in a, a while. I think it's actually the first top five we did since last year's Super Bowl episode, where we did top five Super Bowl commercials. Which part of that is we've done drafts, which. I think drafts are a lot of fun. It's, you know, going head to head with each other. There's a uniqueness aspect to it. But top fives were just, that was the thing that I started doing back in 2018 when the original Ben and Corey podcast day. So, uh, you know, it's hard. It was hard to kind of give up on those and definitely push back for a while. But I do think um, it's, it's fun to go back and do one now. So um, that being said, it's our top five places we visited in 2023. And I'm really interested to see your list, you know, the criteria you use, how you went about ranking them. So why don't you get started with your number five? Okay. So coming in, I went to a lot of places this year. In fact, I could have done a top 10 of places. Yes, right. That I have the exact same thought. Uh, are, that are not my city that I went to, um, you know, destinations that I visited. But I'll start with my number five, and that is going to be Atlanta, Georgia. So not, right. not too far south from me. Uh, you know, I didn't have to get on an airplane for this one. In fact, part of the reason why I went there so frequently is because I could get on an airplane there. Uh, that's where there's oh, a lot yeah. of good flights out of Atlanta, yep. much better than out of Columbia, South Carolina. But I went down there to see Regina Spector, one of my favorite artists of all time. Finally did a show that was in even driving distance from yeah. me so uh, i was able to see her it was incredible i went with my fiance it was a blast everything i could have hoped for uh listening to her whole discography for so long and uh finally getting to see her live she put on a great show she's very talented on a different trip to atlanta is this i i, I returned to atlanta multiple times i got to see nick heredia live another artist uh that i'm a big fan of uh, he actually wrote the theme song music for my podcast. I was able to actually be his roadie. I got to carry guitars and amps and help him get set up at uh, one of his gigs, and then I got to uh, you know watch the gig. So that was pretty good, and uh, you know, and also just got to spend some time in the city. They have this thing called the Beltline. It's like this really big, just walking and biking path 
that goes through many so, like uh, neighborhoods of downtown Atlanta. And it's it's really long. And you can go to a lot of different places without getting in a car. So we were able to spend like a whole day exploring Atlanta without having to worry about cars, really. Even like crossing the street. This thing goes like over streets and through parts that don't have cars. And it was just like, dang, this is honestly ideal. It was the best argument I've seen for living in Atlanta. Cause you think of Atlanta, you think of car hell, there's just too much traffic. Uh, but yeah, right. the Beltline is kind of like the answer to that where they're like, okay, just live near this thing and you can just walk to it. And then you can get to a lot of different cool places. So um, all those things together, many trips to Atlanta uh, this year. So it makes my, my list at, at five. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a reason one to come in at number five. I have been to the Atlanta airport on numerous occasions. Oftentimes I've been stranded there longer than I would like to, <laughs> um, but I have not kind of stepped foot outside of the Atlanta airport. And um, it, it's, it definitely feels like a place that I should go at some point. I just haven't necessarily had a reason to make the trip down there, but it's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm further away in Raleigh than when I was in Columbia. It I could drive there, but it would be like twice the distance. So it makes more sense to fly, especially as a Delta Sky Miles, like Raleigh to Atlanta is an easy flight for me. I just need a reason to take the trip. So Well, I don't want to spoil um, anything, but I might be able to give you a reason to go there next year. But we'll, okay. we'll talk Sounds about that good. off pod. <laughs> okay, that works. So anyway... Um, I'll get started on my list and I'll say just some early criteria thing. So like you said, I could have easily done a top 10. I've been to so many places this year. I normally do a decent amount of traveling to a lot of the same places, but this year I ventured out to a lot of places that I don't normally go to. Um, And one criteria I did was basically just, I didn't choose anywhere that I have lived in the past just as an easy way. Be like, yeah, like I love going back and whatever, but I wanted to go with relatively new places and um, I really, when I was trying to come up with my rankings, I used three criterias. One is how much do I just love the place I went to just for what it is. Two is how much fun did I have in that place? Was I there with good people, whatever? And then three is did it exceed my expectations if I had never been there before? Mm. And that's how mm. I'm starting my number five here. And that is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I went to a wedding in Milwaukee. A lot of my my trips this year were related to weddings <laughs> or bachelor parties. Um, Milwaukee for a wedding in August, and I was blown away. I had never really been to anywhere in the Midwest. I've been to the Chicago airport, the Detroit airport, never been to either of those cities. And Milwaukee was one never really considered I would want to go. And let me say this. The first day I was there, I went to a Pirates Brewers game. The Brewers won 14 to 1. Like that was almost as bad as if I was at the Cardinals Steelers game. It was just kind of miserable being there from a, my team is getting absolutely embarrassed right now perspective. And I still had so much fun in this city. A lot of the time was spent with like wedding stuff and leaving the city, you know, going to the church, the rehearsal dinner, whatever. But I did get to spend a little bit of time in downtown Milwaukee. The first night after going to the game, we went to, the casino there, I for, I meant to look it up what the name of it is. It's uh, like the Potawatomi or something like that. I forget how it's pronounced. It was it was good. I, I enjoyed the time there. Uh, it was nice kind of having something to do 
that you know you're going to have a good time. And then afterwards, we ended up going to a couple of bars, one of which, uh, the first place, they called it a brat house, which essentially is just a place like they specialize in brats. And you can go and you get some good food there. Um, we got brats before the game from there, but after the game, we got a one pound pretzel that had three different dipping sauces. One of them, it was like this soupy stuff, stuff, not very good, but the beer cheese, you know, that's going to be fantastic. It's Wisconsin. Drink Wisconsinably is a yeah, their catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other, my favorite was, um, uh, it was like a cinnamon cream cheese. It was so good. It, it was like one of it, probably the best pretzel I've ever had. Um, and it was just, it was great just being able to explore. Um, they have markets there. So the Milwaukee public market, there are actually two of them. Uh, there's a food hall in Raleigh, North Carolina that I love going to. I think the one in Milwaukee was even better, even like more stuff going on. So I was very impressed with that. And the market was such a cool place. We made a few different trips there. I got some good coffee, some good sandwiches and, um, it was, it was great. And, you know, this is one I spent it with a, a lot of friends from college who I don't get to see very often, which definitely helps. But to me, like the thing that separates Milwaukee from some other places that I went to is didn't really know what to think about it. And I walked away being like, man, that was a really cool city. Um, and also, I guess one thing to mention is um, the best and worst thing that I did there was drink spotted cow beer. It was so good, but you can only get it in Wisconsin. And I just <laughs> like, man, I... I I, I wish I never tried it. Like, I'm glad that I did, but at the same time, I wish I didn't know what I was missing by not living in, in Wisconsin That's and hilarious. not making trips out there frequently. So, yeah, I mean, I think people sleep on some of these Midwest cities and, uh, you know, these non, I don't, it's not all Midwest, coastal. but, you know, yeah, non coastal uh-huh. cities. You know, America's got a lot of amazing places and, and, uh, you know, not to just stick to the coast. Yeah. Right. And Milwaukee's right on the, um, Lake Michigan. So it was awesome. Like we got to basically be like right on the water. It was, I did make a comment at one point is like, um, I don't know that I could necessarily tell that this lake is all that, that big just sitting next to it. I was like, it doesn't look that big. And then I thought about it. I was like, wait, when I'm at, uh, my parents' lake house in New Hampshire, I can see vividly the houses across the other side of the lake. All I see is a horizon. This is a very large <laughs> lake. <laughs> I get why it's called the Great Lake. Right, right. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on to my number four. Before I get into it, I I guess I should state my criteria a little bit as well. So what I did uh, kind of in general is like novelty of going there. So it's like, is it kind of uncommon or is it a place I not normally go to? How good of a time I had while I was there? And then um, the value of like the thing I went there for. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like, what was the reason that I went? So coming in at number four for me is Chicago, Illinois. It is my first time, or sorry, it's actually, it was my first time going to Chicago as an adult. I actually did go as a child, but, uh, it was, I went to the kids museum and the aquarium and I didn't really spend much time in the city. Also, I was on my game boy the whole time. So it didn't really feel like a proper visit. This time I went for uh, a work conference and uh, we had a lot of free time. So I got to go on a walking architecture tour of Chicago. I love being able to walk around in a city and, and uh, you have like pedestrians actually have, you know, rights and a play, like a wide <laughs> sidewalk to walk on. Um, I got to go to a museum where I got to learn about the Chicago fire, which uh, would have been pretty hellish to be a part of. Uh, turns out basically anything can burn uh, at the right temperature. Uh, people did not think that 
all the way through uh, back then when they built Chicago the first time. And uh, it was pretty devastating, some of the destruction there. It was funny because it was like at a, like we were, the museum was like hosting us at, for like a kind of party. And it was very sobering to be reading about all these people <laughs> burning to death. Uh, like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, an important part of history. Also got to go to Second City which is like an improv comedy house. And we got to see some live comedy. Tina Fey uh, was from uh, Second City. Also, uh, Keegan-Michael Key and, and a bunch of other names that you probably recognize. Uh, yeah. Did you see any of them while you were there? No, no, because it, it's like okay. a up-and-comers type place. Oh, okay. Like they, gotcha. they start yeah. out there and then they make uh, their name and go somewhere else. But the people we did see, nice. I, I mean, I wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to tell you any of their names, were super talented. Yep. And it's the type of improv show where they're like, okay, audience, like tell us what this should be about. And they mm-hmm. did the whole thing without microphones. Like there was multiple stages in Second City and you kind of go sit in there it's a very intimate setting and it was hilarious and we were all having a blast so i i thought that was really cool um you know i love live comedy so it was cool to see mm-hmm. it in that format i think improv is one of the easiest things to go see like you can see it basically anywhere but it's hard to see good improv comedy yeah so right. these are real pros and uh, i really enjoyed that and all that after going to chicago i went home and uh, my fiance and i have been watching the bear which takes place oh, in okay. chicago yes so uh, uh-huh. Great show and definitely very Chicago. So, uh, you know, that's why Chicago comes in as number four on my list. Yeah, I definitely need to check out The Bear at some point. I just have not gotten around to it. It was one of those where, like, season two came out. I didn't even know about season one. And everyone's like, this show is amazing. And I, I definitely need to um, prioritize it at some point. But, um, yeah, I mean, Chicago, like I said, I haven't been there before. I've been to the airport. It's a place that I do recognize that i need to make a trip to at some point and having enjoyed milwaukee i'm convinced that yes i would also enjoy chicago so um, although i would certainly prefer to go there in the summer as opposed to the winter i went there in the summer and it was actually quite warm which is good (laughs) yeah i've heard chicago is the best summer city to live in just being right by the lake like there's just so much going on i feel like the the weather is probably perfect it was beautiful you know given where it is yeah yeah, so that's something that um, I would like to do at some point. Um, and I guess speaking of going place for good weather, my number four is St. Petersburg, Florida. And uh, this was a spontaneous trip for me. So in April, the Pittsburgh Pirates were the best team in the National League, which was completely out of left field sorry for the you know baseball reference there but <laughs> it was just no one thought that they would be any good they lost their best or one of their best players for the season a week in and they just managed to win games and i knew don't know this is gonna last but i wanted to go see them play and the way that the schedule worked out i was going to be traveling a lot in may a lot in July, you know, June was kind of an open month for me, but I was like, I don't know if I want to wait for then. Uh, and then it was also like which weekends they were in Pittsburgh. It's basically every other weekend in, in baseball, you're going to be at home. And they, on their upcoming schedule, were making a trip to St. Petersburg to take on the Tampa Bay race. And I had a friend who had moved to Tampa um, late last year, 2022. And I was like, you know what? I kind of want to go. Let me see if she would want to go to the game. And like, she loves going to the beach. I was like, I'd love to go down to the beach. Just check out the city. Uh, it was just a, it, everything kind of worked together all last minute. 
Pirates, of course, lost eight to one. They got swept. That kind of sucked. But again, it tells you that <laughs> I kind of enjoyed the city losing everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. It is only my five and four where they did lose, but it was cool. It, it was a great trip down there. I love the beach. Um, I love the water. Was beautiful. It was this bluish green. Uh, such a great day there. It was like I went to the airport with like salt water and sunscreen and feeling kind of gross but i was like it was worth it (laughs) to do that um downtown st pete was really cool i had made a couple trips there in the past so this is not the first time one of them i was eight years old um not the same experience the other i spent a few hours like a day trip while in on spring break mostly spent in orlando so uh, it, it was just, you know, still like a unique enough place for me, even though it's not my first time going, but it, it was great. I think, um, one of the bigger reasons why it's this low on my list relatively is just the fact that there's probably other Florida beaches that I could go to and have the same exact experience, you know, have the same kind of, you know, check out bars downtown, maybe not go to a baseball game and still go to the beach and still enjoy myself. But, you know, it shouldn't necessarily take away from St. Pete. That was the one that I happened to go to this year. and just gives me more reason to want to, you know, go back down there, especially in, like, the winter months when it's like, oh, I want to go someplace warm and I, I'd like to to hang out on a beach and sip uh, some frozen ice-cold drinks instead of being stuck. Even in North Carolina, it can still get cold in the wintertime. So, um, but, yeah, that's St. Pete was my number four here. That's nice. That's That sounds nice. It's been too long since I've been to a Florida beach um so i've i'm definitely trying to see myself down there at some point in the near future right it was my first time in six years and um definitely shouldn't going back i definitely i mean i say that it's like my dad and my my parents are going in the beginning of february i don't know if it's going to work out for me my mom has been trying to you know make stuff happen so we'll see like but (laughs) it, it was good to make that one trip down there at least so get my fix in so Corey, when you asked me what top five i wanted to do uh you know it was easy for me because just seeing your Instagram story all year long, I felt like you uh, were all those just reels globe trotting. You know, you were everywhere this year. Uh, Except, speci- see, people say that world traveling, globe trotting. I was exclusively in the United States, but yes, all over the the continent. I guess that's a good point. I, I I need a uh, uh, a better term for uh, you know somebody who's constantly traveling, roaming the nation. Right. But, roaming, yes. But, uh-huh. uh, you know, so that's why I wanted to do this. And, and I was in a lot of places this year, too. Also, only in the States. Last year, I was pretty international. We talked about that on a previous podcast. So, yes. I, uh, you know, you know, it's hard for me to flex as hard this year with my travels. But I feel like my top three is where it really starts to heat up. And, okay. uh, you know, it's in... This is these were the ones I was like these are definitely on the list four and five I mm. had to make some you know judgment calls, so coming in at number three, we've got this place it's called Lake Winnipesaukee, nice in in New Hampshire that's right it's a visit up to go see my good friend Corey and uh, and and hang out with his family, and this was kind of the the ultimate trip of our the summer of travel that my fiance and I had in fact we weren't even engaged yet i remember talking to you yeah, it was on right. the, it was trip, the weekend before telling you that i was about to be engaged that's right uh and it was just perfect it was it was uh you know the type of relaxing weekend that still has enough to do that you feel like you actually like got something out of the trip and uh i mean yep. first of all we saw matchbox 20 
in concert. Yep, in the pouring rain. Well, the, 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 very, the rain held up uh, enough that we were able to see yes. the show with almost no interruptions, and then right. the bottom just fell out at the end, and oh, we got completely man. soaked. And that kind of chaos, while uncomfortable in the moment, is a lot of fun. You know, we my yes, shoes right. literally died. Uh, yes, because so did mine. I had to throw yep. them out because they were just too wet and just too gross. So gross. <laughs> and, yep. uh, and, you know, go, being able to go on the boat and travel around the lake and see all the in the places sun. you can start yeah. noting that friday was pouring saturday sunday beautiful perfect weather to be out on the water unbelievable weather the the water felt great we had just enough sunscreen <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep and um and it, you know it was a long time coming you know you and i are very right. close friends and you've come to see my family uh you know being in south carolina a little bit easier but still it was uh you know something i i wanted to return the favor and going up there and spending time uh, with you and your folks up there at Lake Winnipesaukee was uh, yep. definitely one of the highlights of the year. So that's why it's number three on my list. Yeah, I, I I was hoping that you would have it on your list. I felt reasonably confident that it would make it. Um, and it, that was also part of the reason why I was like, I'm not going to even bother calling out <laughs> my like New Hampshire travels. Because, yes, I I was there obviously then i made so many different trips to lake winnipesaukee this year um between both family and work having a coworker who hosted a bunch of my teammates at his house also in laconia new hampshire um, on lake winnipesaukee for a week in september i mean it was it's so much fun uh, i didn't know that i was missing a lake house and a boat for my life until <laughs> i got one three years ago and uh my parents definitely knew that it'd be a good trick to have me coming back even more than i already do especially in those summer months when you want to be up there at the lake you want to be out on the boat you want to be enjoying the sun and you want to be escaping the north carolina heat which certainly helps so yeah lake winnipesaukee hampton beach as well spent a week there like they get left off unfortunately but like also just goes to show like the fact that they're not on my list just tells me that i've been to so many great places this year and number three this is one where i was kind of back and forth on these two they're very similar it's charleston south carolina and i think that the tipping point for me on why charleston came in at three is i kind of want to move to charleston like that is my like takeaway is like i would love to live there and i don't know if i can reasonably do it just given where i'm at in my life and my um you know just work career right now but in a perfect world, I think I would really love living there. Like, that's the one place that I went to where I was like, you know what? This is somewhere that I would live. Other than, you know, places I've lived before, like a place that I had not been to, I was like, I, I could see it. You know, I, I could, I think I would enjoy it. I have a lot of friends, you know, in the area there. It would be great. My parents are considering it as a potential place to retire in. Like, there's a lot of appeal to it. And it, it blew my mind that I had not been to Charleston before the year 2023 because <laughs> I'd lived in South Carolina or close enough for a decade before finally making the trip out there. And yeah, I mean, that was my big takeaway from the weekend. It was awesome. Just being, it was a perfect weather too. I just remember driving in on the highway to Mount Pleasant where my friends lived. Um, and it was just like, this is amazing. Like, I feel like I'm in paradise right now. Am I in, I'm in South Carolina. This feels like I'm in like the Caribbean or like I'm in, in South Florida, whatever, you know, it just, it, it blew my mind. And I always heard amazing things about it. And I didn't really realize just how cool of a place it was. So 
definitely some of that I want to continue to go to. Uh, my brother has friends who moved there at the beginning of the year, got to hang out with them. My parents were also there. That was what kind of convinced me to finally go down is that they were going for a weekend. So I managed to make the trip down at the same time. And I'm definitely interested in continuing to go back. And, you know, we'll see. I can say like maybe someday that's where I'll end up living just uh i mean i love it feel like it's kind of the best of both worlds and that i get like the whole tropical vibes but i'd also be kind of close to places i'm familiar with just in the carolinas so um yeah great great spot charleston is a honorable mention for my top five list i went there okay two separate times this year uh one to see a comedy show and another time to do a bungee workout class one of those ones where you have a bungee cord that connects you to the to the ceiling and you like oh wow bounce around Uh, and you can like soar it was a lot of fun although i will say it makes sense based on where the straps go it makes sense that yes. basically only women do that. Uh, so oh. <laughs> it is. I was, it was sore, and there was some uh, them, some things. You know, I just wasn't built was, to do in that class. You yeah. know, and that's just no, it, right. that's just the reality that's, of my anatomy. But uh, it's the yeah. reason we went there is because the only place in South Carolina that you could do that bungee class is in Charleston because that's where the action is. So I do like yeah, it as an it, aspirational place for you to live. Right. Well, it is worth, I, I guess, you know, I can't do bungee jumping in my, my current um, state of human being, but <laughs> I would, <laughs> I would say that you can more easily go to Charleston given that it's like an hour and a half yep. from where you yep. live. It's four to five hours from me. So it's not a place that, you know, and I'm not going to fly there. For, I think I'd have to get a connecting flight to be able to get there. So it's, um, it's just not super convenient where I'm at, but it is a place that I, I do want to at least try to make it a somewhat regular thing going down there. It would be very convenient for you to go there if you end up living there. So I think that you're right. Be, yes. <laughs> that could be the, uh, the plan. Which again, it's like, that's, <laughs> you know, I think that's just me fantasizing about different life and stuff. I know, you know, places to be. That's the one thing about this year. I went to a lot of cool places that just made me think, wow, there's so much more out there. I love the idea of living by the water. I think that's one thing that I'm really missing out on, and I would get that if I were to live there. So, But I have other places that I can yeah, live well, it, to do that. It, so. Just living in South Carolina my whole life, living near the water means living near the hurricane. So, Yeah, right. No, I get it. There is, there's <laughs> pros and cons that come to it. You don't get hurricanes on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. Right, so. right. There are other yeah. waters <laughs> to live near. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, let's keep it moving on to my number two. And this one, you know, I... I feel like I, I can say that I summer in this city because I, I end up going there so much. It's Denver, Colorado. I, you know, I always end up in Denver, Colorado, whether it's for work or for pleasure. I always find myself back in Denver. And uh, this year, it was for two different trips. One was for the annual boys trip with some of the, some of the boys. And another was for my brother's bachelor party. And I was his best man. So I got to plan that one. So we did it all exploring the city. They've got, you know, unlimited bars and restaurants. You can do whatever you want in, the, in that, you know, just the, they've got the same offerings as any other major city, but they also have Meow Wolf and Meow Wolf is oh, yeah. one of my favorite art exhibition, immersive experiences ever. I, I went to the one in Las Vegas and it absolutely blew my mind. And the one in Denver is just as good, if not better 
Yeah, I always thought Denver was like the number one. Yes. Well, they just built another one in Dallas that people are like, oh, now this okay. is the best one, right? Yeah, that's the it's, best one. It's newer. Yeah. But they're all great in their own way because right. they all tell a story. Uh-huh. They, they're very immersive, and it's hours and hours of fun. There's so many secrets, all these different puzzles mm-hmm. to solve, and we had a blast. We spent all day honestly in that yeah. one we, when we went to meow wolf in las vegas we didn't realize how much of how much time you could spend in there we really went out of our way to make it the, the whole deal uh when we were yep. in denver we also went to red rocks and saw i couldn't even tell you what they're called but some house music uh dj mm-hmm. house music not really my thing house music it's like it's almost like yeah. trance music it's very consistent and it's like right well we were like oh whoops we were supposed to drop mushrooms before coming to this concert (laughs) so we didn't stay the whole time but red Uh, rocks is a very cool venue and uh and that's a lot of fun for my brother's bachelor party we went hiking we went on uh, i couldn't tell you what the name of the trail or the mountain was but we went hiking on a mountain right outside denver they've got great nature mm -hmm. out there and also for his bachelor party we did serious go-karting like 65 mile per hour go-karts drifting getting the g-forces and uh it was a workout when you say that uh you know it might sound silly that somebody's like uh you know nascar drivers are athletes but once you start feeling and obviously they're going much faster once you start feeling those g-forces and how like you have to grip the wheel and and all the technique it takes to not lose your speed when you're going around those corners they're athletes, man. They're they're working hard. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I I fully believe that they are. I'm not a huge NASCAR fan, but I recognize that it takes talent to be able to control a car at high speeds yeah. like that. I mean, this is serious stuff too. We had to put like the tube sock over our head and then put like a helmet oh, yeah. on and the the big belts and uh, strap yourself in. It was awesome. So uh, yeah, Denver is just a great place. I feel like every time I go there, I have a new experience. And uh, you know, this year was it was no different on my two trips out there. So that's why it's my number two on my list yeah so this is um another place that i'm glad you included i did go to denver this year my first time in colorado although most of my denver experience was just the airport because i went for a bachelor party specifically in breckenridge colorado Ah. so up in the mountains two hours away three thousand miles higher than already a mile or sorry yeah 3,000 feet yeah, higher yeah. than a mile high. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. It's, I think it's 8,000 feet in the air. So, uh, and this is one where it kind of goes back to the whole conversation about the Midwest. If I went to Colorado in the summer, it would probably be in my top five, like I did with Milwaukee. And I can put those two together because this was the bachelor party for the wedding in Milwaukee. We went in March. The goal was to ski and snowboard. I don't ski and snowboard. I really enjoyed downtown Breckenridge. It was cool being able to walk around the town and everything. I also enjoyed Boulder. I had a late flight on Sunday. My friend and I flying back to Raleigh, flying back to Charlotte, actually. We ended up hanging out with his aunt in Boulder. Really cool. It was neat exploring Colorado. It's just the weather wasn't my ideal time to be there. My big takeaway was I would love coming back here in the summertime when I can enjoy outdoor activities because I'm not a winter sports guy. That's just not me. So luckily... Half of the people we were with also didn't ski or snowboard that weekend for various reasons. So I had people to hang out with. It wasn't like I was by myself while everyone was gone all day. But that's the reason why, you know, Colorado just isn't in my top five. But it doesn't mean I didn't have a great experience. And I'm not like I'm glad that I did make the trip out there. Just another state I can say I've been to. So um, and that also feels like, you know, there's a few different ways to transition here to my number two, um, different bachelor party also out West. And, 
uh, it was to San Diego. And San Diego was like the main place that we stayed the whole time. But before we went to San Diego, which I guess technically flew into San Diego, the first night and then day was spent at Joshua Tree National Park. So it's like two and a half hours away from San Diego, still in the Southern California area. And I was back and forth on whether I should put San Diego or Joshua Tree for this spot. I didn't want to double up with both of them, although I probably could have. And then I realized, Corey, you left this trip and you made a Joshua Tree your phone background. (laughs) And it still is 10 months later. Why would Joshua Tree not be your spot here? And I think for me, as great as San Diego was, I thought it was so cool. Weather wasn't as awesome I thought it would be in February. It was in like the low 60s. I always thought it was 75 and sunny year round. Apparently that's not (laughs) true. Um, But Joshua Tree, while it was cold, it was so cool going out exploring there. Um, We did three different um, locations within the park. So the first one was hiking a mountain. It was called Ryan Mountain. And it was... I think it was, yeah, it was a full mile in the air, 54 feet of elevation. It was very, you know, like we were walking up built steps. It wasn't like this super strenuous hike, but as someone who doesn't do that very often, it really stood out to me. It was great. Lost Horse Mine Trail. That was a good second one because I already got the fun of the Ryan Mountain in. And then this was like, yeah, we're just basically walking. It was just walking through the desert. Uh, it was kind of cool seeing like the mine, but ultimately it was just, we were just doing cardio. And then the last place was the arch. That was my favorite spot. It was like an adult playground, just bouncing around on rocks, you know, going through all these tiny little spots and like alleyways and um, just trying to climb up as, as high as we could to various locations. I thought it was such an incredible experience. I did 10 miles of uh, steps, wow. you know, walking, whatever there, which is more than I do in a normal day by far. <laughs> um, you know, which think about that. That's not even a half marathon, let alone half <laughs> of a marathon, you know, like, so anyway, um, yeah, it was great. I love Joshua Tree. It's I'm, I'm someone who I enjoy going outdoors and doing things like that. I just don't do it very often. So the fact that I got that experience is like, this is great. And I would love to go back out there and spend even more time, like even like spend a night in the park. That's how cool it was. So um, this was very much like on the, like you said, your novelty experience like that is that's why it's here. And that's why it's at number two. I'm jealous. I desperately want to visit Joshua Tree. Uh, you know, my fiance and I made plans to go there last year, but unfortunately, oh, yeah. I got sick right before that trip, so we had uh, to shorten the trip. Luckily, yeah. we were able to move travel, and it wasn't too bad. But um, you know, missed my opportunity. So hopefully, I can get back around to it. And I'll say, even though it was a little cold, you picked the right time to go because the other extreme is yeah, much right. worse. They actually yes. like. Close some of those trails during the summer because it's too hot, it's uh-huh. too dangerous. Like I think you can go out right. there like in the early morning, but like they won't let you uh, in the middle of the day because people just die. So it's, yeah, uh, so it was definitely perfect going in February for Joshua Tree specifically. Yeah. And even though it was like you know forty five degrees, it was sunny. Like we're we're sweating by the end of it. Yeah, like you're moving you know, off layers, right? And I know we're both at this point kind of southern boys, but. 45 is not yep. that cold. <laughs> like, no, right, right. It's things. not. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. So that's awesome. Um, okay. Well, yeah. actually, my number one is a little bit in line with the kind of outdoorsy thing. Uh, and I decided to tie this whole trip into one thing because I went to multiple locations. But my number one 
place that I visited in 2023 is the state of Washington. I had never been to Washington before, and I got to see a lot of it on this trip that I took uh, in, I think it was June. Uh, It's started in Spokane, which I learned it was Spokane, not Spokane. (laughs) Uh, Definitely was making that mistake. Just mm-hmm. the sleepiest little town uh, ever. Like, I mean, it's like, it's there's plenty going on there, but it was so Gonzaga University is there, right? And um, Washington State is it the WS? There's like there's a campus there because I recognize okay, there. So Washington's uh, main campus is in Pullman. Okay, so but I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they have some location. There, there was like so. a college park that had multiple campuses okay. that we walked through, which was beautiful. Yeah. Lots of open space to walk. Uh, we and you know we, when we were checking out the actual like city of Spokane, but you know it's right there in the middle of nature. We were able to go hiking mm-hmm. just down the street from my friend who we were visiting's house, and the weather was beautiful, nice dry heat. I mean, it was the summer, so it was it was ideal, and it just my soul was healing. I was you know going through a particularly stressful time at work. You leave all that behind when you go on vacation, and I was just so zen out there in just the peacefulness and uh you know in that incredible climate it was a great time in spokane i felt like i relaxed and then i headed over to seattle where the you know my favorite one of my favorite sitcoms of all time takes or took place uh which is frazier and uh got to see the space Uh. needle got to see the chihuly museum and um and eat at some fantastic restaurants there another classic like city moment i even stayed with somebody who had just been let go by amazon so they were on amazon uh, severance package so got to stay in a really Uh, nice apartment and then after that we headed out to um the like camping part of our journey so we actually got a just airbnb out in olympic national park which is in like the northwest corner of the country and it was just it was beautiful uh we drove through forks and we saw the twilight house i've not seen twilight but there is a house from twilight that is in forks washington and we got to see it (laughs) so check that off the list that's probably enough you probably don't need to see the the movie speaking of great baseball (laughs) movies you know, I've got to see that yeah. uh, scene from from one of the Twilight movies. Yeah, true, true, yeah. But then we also went to Ho National Rainforest, which I've never been in a rainforest before, and it was uh, I mean, just great hiking out there. And we spent all day out there walking around, throwing stones into rivers, getting to enjoy the incredible weather, seeing waterfalls, just being surrounded by gigantic trees. We saw banana slugs too, which are out there in the rainforest. It was just becoming one with nature. And like you were saying, like it's just such a luxury, honestly, to be able to get out into that kind of, like it feels like you're on a different planet. You know, I've gone hiking here in South Carolina and I'm like, this feels like an extended edition of my backyard. Uh, And going into these completely different climates you feel like you're, you're experiencing something really novel so uh we spent a whole week out there just hanging out with friends and enjoying beautiful weather even got to swim in a, a comp- really icy river 
that was more oh, of like yeah? a uh, can you even get in uh you know are you brave enough uh, and uh it was it was just a, a blast and i had never been to washington before but it, it as far as my state power rankings go it shot up the list as like a place where all right. living there would be actually epic uh, i'm actually if i was going to live somewhere yeah. i'd rather live i think in spokane but seattle is a great place as well and uh you know the whole state just gets a big thumbs up from me which is why it's I mean, number Im- one on my top Dude. places I visited in 2023. Uh, that's impressive coming from you as you're rocking your 49ers gear, given that the Seahawks top rival play out there. So. <laughs> What's funny is I also visited San Francisco this year. I don't even really like the oh, city yeah. that much. You know, I don't uh-huh. have any aspirations to live there. But uh, yeah. you know, in in the same kind of capacity, Seattle can be a great city without their t- t- football team being something Sports that I like. Team, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> True. No, that's that's totally fair. And I guess I've never really felt a whole lot of appeal to go out to the northwest, you know, part of the U.S., you know, Washington area. But you definitely have talked it up uh, very highly. So maybe maybe that's another place that I should give a chance. You'll get there eventually. You travel so much. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Right. We'll see. The thing is, I travel places that I have either invites to go to because someone else wants to go there and I tag along or there are people to see, uh, whether it's friends or family, or they're just places that I really enjoy going to. And usually they tie together with that first one. And um, with that being said, probably no surprises by my number one. It's Las Vegas. It Knew it. Is, uh, Knew it. Yeah, right. It's one of those where I was like, I could have done new places and talked about a few others. But when it comes down to it, I still love going there. Um, I have really good friend who lives out there and it really, it's not even about visiting her anymore. It's like she can tag along and join <laughs> our group. And I've been there so much that I know a lot of places to go and she can kind of help fill in the gaps as a local, but it is like every, and I guess that's a thing. Like that happens every time. Every time I go, I'm trying a new place. I'm going to a new restaurant. I'm going to a new bar, a new club, a new something like checking out a new part of the strip, new hotel. This year I sit in Aria hotel for the first time. I thought it was really cool hanging out there. I was like in the center of the strip as opposed to being in like the the south end of the strip where I'm normally staying. It was it's very convenient being there. Uh, I just had a, a blast and this was a trip. I mean, every year, I, every time I go, it's always a good time. I always find ways to outdo myself. Uh, and even this year, like there were definitely a lot of negative moments. I definitely left hurting uh financially hurting <laughs> just physically just in general but i'm like you know what i leave it out all out on the table when i'm there um and ironically the casino is a place that i always tend to do actually pretty well for myself on and i don't leave it all on the table i do take something home with me to at least try to convince myself that i didn't just lose thousands and thousands of dollars on a four-day trip <laughs> somewhere but it's worth it every you, time you didn't for me. lose it um, is money it. spent that's right. The type it was money spent. Exactly. Yes. Money spent on great activities, great memories, great moments, you know, with some great friends and already looking forward to making another trip out there. So this year I went final four weekend and I think I'm going back again for final four weekend. So, um, and it, it sounds like a, a lot of my friends, um, locally in Raleigh do want to go and I'm hoping to, you know, just continue to extend the invite to anyone I come across who might be interested in making the trip out there, whether it's the first time or you just love going. Um, definitely a lot of people, a lot of my trips come together because people say, Hey, Corey, I should go to Vegas with you. One of these trips. All right. When are we going to go? And then that's how we end up going. So 
definitely uh, a place that I still love going to, and I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Well, I think it's really great that you're able to go there so frequently and you found a place that you really like. I've always enjoyed my trips to Vegas with you, and I know... As long as we're friends, there's a chance I'll return. Uh, you know, with yeah, you someday. I know. I know you said that you want to take a break and see new places, which you did this year. You did the past <laughs> couple of years, yes. but um, yeah, I mean, you are always welcome to tag along on any trip that I make out there. And uh, you know, the nice thing about Vegas is you can easily access a lot of cool places in nature. You can go away from the strip. You don't have to spend the whole time just being a degenerate while you're out there. So I think that there's an appeal for some people. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm down to go to a day club and drink and gamble a little, but you can also go, you could take a helicopter tour to Grand Canyon. You can make a trip. You go to Joshua Tree. I mean, it's, yep. it's also that not that far from Vegas. The trip right? where like, we were a lot supposed of to go to Joshua Tree was a Vegas oh, trip. So okay. that was yeah. why. I got well, I got too sick. It was for a work conference, and yep. we were going to go to Joshua Tree first, but then I got too sick, and we ended up only going to the work conference. So, gotcha. Um, yeah. So gotcha. maybe, maybe the, my, another yeah. chance would be to go to Joshua Tree in right? Vegas. There you go. I know. I mean, I, that's actually something that I, I would love to do. I would love to go back, you know, spend a night in Joshua Tree and then go to Vegas for the rest of the time. Noted. noted. Definitely start start there. Yeah. That's that's definitely the recommendation. <laughs> do not spend four nights in Vegas and then think you can hike around and not die, <laughs> even if it's not hot out. So, but yeah, I mean, this is a very fun top five topic here. It was great kind of reminiscing, looking back on the year. Um, much longer episode than I anticipated. Obviously, much longer than any podcast that you ever do yourself. But well, I feel like it's, a, it's good. a Joe Rogan I, guest right now. You know, this is yeah, more right. Joe I mean, Rogan length. Uh, I was just say, like every now and then, we flirt with a three-hour range on this episode, and I hope it's not a turn-off for too many people. I think having you on is a, a selling point, and you know, hopefully, we didn't spend too much time on football in the beginning of the episode that people haven't stuck around for that fun top five. We just well, did. you're always including the bookmarks. I love the bookmarks. I am. Yes, yes. It makes it easy to be able to hop around and jump to something if there's something you specifically want to listen to. So, yeah. So that will do it for this episode. Benjamin Carlson, thanks for joining as always. Affable Chat Podcast. Definitely check it, check out. it out. Moneyball. Check out yeah, affablechat.com. You know where podcasts are. You know what a movie is. So you yep. understand what yeah, we right. do. So if that sounds interesting to you, check us out. And But also make sure you keep it tuned right here to He's Done It for the best takes in sports. Yes, absolutely. So for my co-host, well, guest co-host, Benjamin Carlson, I'm Corey Thanks, everyone.